Welcome to Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. Catching up from where we left off a couple weeks ago, Republicans have already started losing elections. Republicans <laughs> want to shoot themselves in the foot over a government shutdown, and the Democrats have suddenly become Second Amendment advocates. Bookmakers <laughs> target public libraries, while Democrats make a candidate's for sale sex videos and exercise in pretzel logic and really... The ultimate story, the big story, the story that everyone in the mainstream media is talking about, but you're not hearing about it because they want to shut us down. Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk conspire to stop the momentum of Reigns and Edge. That's right. I'm Henry Reigns. <laughs> I'm Mark Edge. <laughs> oh, Mark. Well, it, well, first of all, it's, it's been two weeks since we did a show. You, you had a wonderful show last Friday live. I, uh, I threw you over. For my uh, my old co-host. <laughs> yes. Uh, and I, I listened and at least long enough to hear my name mentioned. <laughs> I heard all the important stuff. Yep. <laughs> it was great to know that people could reach out to you. I heard you giving out a phone number for people to call. And we have big news. Okay. Bigger... Well, not bigger than the fact that Zuckerberg and Musk are teaming up to get us, but we'll get to that soon enough. That's big news, all right. Yes. Well, we got big news for them. I haven't. It's so big, I've kept it on the down low, even from you, because I don't want them preemptively getting the defenses. But we'll tell the audience in just a few minutes. And I have been breathing shallowly for two weeks now, waiting to hear this news. I've got to hear Looking over your shoulder, I hope. <laughs> and because you never know where they are. Actually, they're in your pocket on your phone. <laughs> right, right. And they're very close to your private parts. <laughs> they, they, You're radiating them, even. <laughs> and, and, well, how, first of all, how are you? How's, how's Ian? How's everybody else up in New Hampshire? Uh, there's some kind of awful cold going around up there in New Hampshire. It seems like everybody got it. And, Maybe it's COVID because I got it from, I mean, I wasn't touching anybody. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's no masks in the studio or anything, but I wasn't touching anybody and sick. Well, and I'm not feeling under the weather. We were going to do a live recording at the, the local studio here, but I let you know this morning that I was feeling under the weather. And I just figure I must have gotten it from you, even though we haven't seen each other. Right. But I hear about people catching viruses over the computer all the time, and we've been communicating that way, and I don't see anyone else either, except on the opposite side of a pickleball court, and that's open air, so it had to be you. But yep, it was me. We have a big announcement. Uh, I forget whether it was... Who are some of the people that we've been communicating with uh, over the emails and through tweets and um I, I don't know there was matthew uh jeremy whom who always sticks out in my mind as the first caller who called in about bitcoin back in 2010 um you know so we were the first media in the world free talk live is the first media in the world to mention bitcoin and jeremy was the caller who called in and brought it up you should sell hit jeremy a bitcoin at the price it was when he called in just just out of the goodness of your heart <laughs> somehow some of my how my heart isn't that good plus i don't have that many okay well jeremy matthew whoever suggested this maybe someone else that we're forgetting 
they said, why don't you get a, a V-line, I think as they called it. And you explained to me they were referring to a voicemail line. And I said, well, yeah. I think I can do that. So we are here to announce today on Friday, September 22nd, or possibly earlier, if I get this episode of the podcast up sooner, you can call 941-799-6033. We don't need a toll-free number because there are no tolls anymore. It's pretty much true. 941-799-6033. And it's got a beautiful symmetry to it. Because if you do the 941 and the 799, you got a 9 on both ends. Uh-huh. And, you know, 799, you should be able to remember that. And then 6 with a 0 in the middle, 3 plus 3, it's uh-huh. it's it's a beautiful – the Google uh, voice gave me a bunch of – and I said, that's ours. Nine, four, I'm one, sure that if you get a professional, they will diagnose whatever problem you have with numbers. Um, but, yeah. Seven nine nine six zero three three. I have no problems yet with these numbers. No one's called it yet, but I'm sure they will. Actually, I've called it to with one of my other phones to see what happens. There is a, a custom Reigns and Edge greeting uh, there. I no no generic Google greeting for our listeners or our callers. And if it's acceptable and uh, permissible. By the FCC, you you may hear your message that you leave us. Play that is a that's a real trick is to making sure that it's acceptable by the FCC. So what um, if anything is the uh, what are the things that people should say? What, what's the expectation? What what do I if I call this? What am I trying to do? Get on the air? Well, if you want your message on the air, I think the first priority would be to say really great things about us. <laughs> Why? This is that's such a Republican uh, radio trope. Uh, they don't need to say n- nice things about me. They can say nice things about you. That's fine. They can leave you out of it. <laughs> they can. They can. Yes. It, it, it's a. It may be a Republican trope for you, but as being a liberal in Tampa Bay on talk radio, you need all the fortification you can get. I need validation and encouragement and. Well, uh, but I gotta wonder how you ever turned into a liberal in Manatee County. I, I really do. Secondly, we can discuss that later. Secondly, <laughs> any suggestions I'll listen to. I, evidently, Mark is not going to spend a lot of time listening to the voicemails, but that's okay. I'm listening I'll, I'll listen to all of them you play on the air. <laughs> oh, well, that's nice. Uh, I, I'm the needy one that will listen to you. Uh, you could even. You know, you could even tell us your problems. Just, oh, good. You know, don't be upset if they get played on the air. Yeah. Well, maybe we could have an advice uh, segment. You know, you let us know your thing. Tell, just tell us what's on your mind. And like anyone who gives advice, I think my advice is great. Well. The evidence might be low for that yeah, uh, I, claim. I, 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 I'm, I'm, my advice is called 941. <laughs> Well, where we last left us two weeks ago, Mark, I was practically euphoric. You were amused (laughs) at my decision that we were going to reclaim MySpace.com. A little bit more background. I'm going to play a couple minutes of the audio from last week. Okay. Uh, 
are, are, are we've talked about, you know, my, again, my need, my neediness, my need for validation, my need for interaction with other people. I wanted to reach out maybe on a Facebook page, do some live streaming there on Twitter, Twitter spaces. Uh, I was going to, uh, with you at my side, we were going to reclaim the glory of Twitter and no more X Twitter. We would bring it back to the glory it was. And in the midst of that, I said, we should resurrect MySpace.com because I had been on MySpace.com and I had you going. I was able to set up a profile while we were doing the show two weeks ago. Everything seemed to be working. Yeah. Then after the show... That's when the hammer came down, right? That's right, because everything, like I said, everything seemed to be working. There were YouTube videos there that played, but when I tried to upload messages, when I tried to upload video and audio, I got a blocking pop-up saying, we're not, we're not doing uploads at this time, not able to upload at this time. Well, there could only be one explanation. Yeah, I, it's pretty obvious. Yes, that Musk and Zuckerberg felt the threat. Had we <laughs> resurrected MySpace.com like let Jesus did Lazarus? <laughs> yeah, it does. Himself, it does seem like he was beginning I, to stink. It was beginning to stink. Yeah, I, I would not put us at that level, but <laughs> I'm sure that it crossed Zuckerberg and Musk's mind, like. Who is that guy in that thing about Lazarus? And they can't. They can't agree on much, but they can agree on yeah. free talk live should not so be resurrected. And would you believe this, Mark? You, I haven't told you this. I went back before this show because my profile was up there, and I put it out there for everybody to try what my handle was, and which was Rain's Edge. I was bringing you into it, um, <laughs> and to make a connection, rebuilding it one connection at a time. Can you believe this? There was not a single connection. Yeah, I, it, it sounds very much like it's just uh, it had a ghost to be them. Yeah, go down there. It couldn't be. Nobody wanted to connect with me. Why <laughs> Jeremy and Matthew would have, I'm sure. Did you attempt to connect with anyone? Because uh, connections are probably disabled too. Well, what does it prove if if I connect with someone? They that. May, you know, people need to connect with us so that we can build. I don't want to build someone else's empire. I want to, if we are going to reclaim MySpace, which I have to admit now that it seems like a great long shot. Okay? <laughs> and you know, I also found out that they lost about 75% of all their content that had been accumulated since the birth of MySpace, which was around 2003, I believe. Um, or maybe a little earlier, maybe 2001. But anyway, they lost almost all of it. So, I mean, it was ripe for the picking mark. But here, let's just replay just a couple minutes of the glory that it would have been. And your your reaction when I sprung this on you last week. Welcome to Reigns and Edge and a whole new era. Not just on talk radio. Don't you laugh, Mark Edge. <laughs> You haven't even been introduced, and you're stepping all over. <laughs> Gosh darn laughing. And if you can see the video, he can't even bring his face up. <laughs> the video screen. 
He's a bright red. This, I, I promised these people. Ugh. I promised the listeners. I promised the people, Mark, the people. Because this is what that show is. Of the people, for the people, by two people. And then we, we through the magic. All right, let me start this again. I'm going to reset. <laughs> We're not, don't, don't, don't stop your podcast. Don't pause us. I am mentally resetting. I am optimistically <laughs> Uh, the ambiance is being reset back to where I started with the host of excitement here. I have unbridled excitement here because not only did I, when we left, I said that Mark and I, I volunteered Mark, Mark and I yeah. were going to save X Twitter. And you know, by the way, Mark, quick sidebar, not to get distracted, some media calls it X Twitter. They, they picked up on us. Calling it X Twitter, it was. I'm gonna. I, I think you should take credit for it. Twitter. People are just going X Twitter. So, with that same spirit, the way we set the trend there, the way Reigns and Edge pioneered X Twitter as a handle to reclaim social media for the people, for the people. We are reclaiming MySpace.com. I said I was going to come back here and we were going to tell you how we we're going to do, reclaim Twitter. We're reclaiming MySpace.com. I alluded to it. There was the germination of an idea. There was a seed planted deep in my subconscious that we would reclaim MySpace.com for libertarianism, even though I don't care about the libertarianism. I just claim about MySpace. aggrandizement and self-glory. But I will be happy <laughs> if it helps you with your libertarianism. I will jump on board and ride your shoulders right up there. <laughs> Ecosphere of this. I am so darn excited. I don't know if you could tell Mark, but I, by the way, I'm Henry Raines. And I'm Mark Edge. And we are changing the world. One social media platform at a time. One decaying social media platform at a time. Elon Musk <laughs> thought he was killing Twitter. MySpace was already dead. Even Justin Timberlake, who is a lot cooler than Elon Musk, if not quite as rich. Couldn't bring back MySpaceSpotCon, but we are well on the way right now. Get on board. Be part of the pioneers. It doesn't cost you anything to be part of a movement. And we want you all to have a movement with us. <laughs> this is a great one. So, Mark, I will, I, will, I will catch my breath. I will let you be a part of this great moment. Remember, this, well... I, I don't want to give away the magic of radio too much, but this is a pre-recorded segment. So at this moment in time, that will become live in a few hours, several hours, over the airwaves. Well, how does it feel, Mark? How does it feel to be I, part of this? <laughs> I, I just feel like an old person looking at uh, young people's music. Well, movement was blocked. <laughs> They have something for that. Uh, yes, well, I don't think there is anything that we can take right now to unclog MySpace.com when the evil duo of Musk and Zuckerberg have conspired to stop us. But they were not prepared for all eventualities. Not at one bit. You are not. We got a plan B? We have a plan B that I am just now sharing with you. Because you're integral to it, Mark. Oh, right? boy. I, I could not do this without you. <laughs> be stating the obvious. But when you hear the plan, you'll realize why you are so integral to this. All right. Yeah. 
<laughs> Mark Edge is the real master of media. Oh, no. Mark Edge is the hero that this social media war needs. Now, we know that Elon Musk flattered himself, blew up his narcissistic balloon with his own spoutings from his egotistical internal workings of challenging Mark Zuckerberg to a cage fight. Didn't even know that he wanted to call it a mixed martial arts fight or a, a jujitsu challenge or anything else like that. Mark Zuckerberg picked it up probably knowing that he was not at risk from Elon Musk. No, no. I mean, that's a, 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 this, this story scared me because I knew that uh, Zuckerberg had trained in martial arts. And I, I think a lot of people out there just don't understand the difference between somebody who uh, trains in martial arts and somebody who doesn't. Uh, I, I have lots of respect for Elon Musk and many things he does in his life, but he is, if he goes into a cage match with Zuckerberg, he's going to get hurt. Well, that is why we are building the movement now to have you face Mark Zuckerberg or Elon Musk or both because you, Mark Edge, you, ha you don't have a last name Musk like some little furry creature that's in <laughs> your garage. And Zuckerberg, you don't have some multiple syllable name that they got, probably got yelled at when they stuffed him in the locker back in high school. No, you are edge. You are the <laughs> cutting edge. You make people bleed when you want to. And that is why I want everyone that listens to us to follow the hashtags that we will give them to build this movement where Mark will take on either one of them. But he has a secret weapon. He oh, no. has me in his corner. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Because without me, they might stack the deck. They may try and get you in a way that you would submit, that you would tap out. But I will tell you, I will not throw in the towel for you. <laughs> no matter how much they twist that <laughs> on you, no matter how much they pull that arm bar across the pelvic bone in their hips to snap that elbow. <laughs> no, I am like Joe Biden willing to fight to the last Ukrainian to defeat Russia. <laughs> I, will, I will fight to your last joint or intact bone or internal organ of some importance. Before I will let you quit and not... Assume your rightful supremacy as the king and master of media. Your ramblings terrify me. <laughs> I think it's perfect. I think, wait, wait, what is the hashtag? hashtag <laughs> the real cage. Broken bone? Uh, hashtag the real cage fight. Hashtag the real master of media. Hashtag up your zucker. <laughs> Oh boy! Come on, just when you got one you liked, we'll, we'll go with it. You get on this, you know what? What, what is what is our keywords that we we got to promote, Arn? We got to. I think hashtag broken bones a good one. Ah. How about something about a berg? Hitting I think the berg. 
I think the real cage match ought to get some uh, attention. If that's yeah. right. if you're looking for for uh, yeah. uh, okay, something we'll that's going to that. catch attention. Now, this is a perfect example of why you need to call 941-799-6033 to leave a voicemail message and tell us how to proceed. And tell us if you believe that Mark Edge can kick... Let's start with Elon Musk. Let's start with Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah. First tell me, or tell us, I will play it for Mark, all the encouraging ones, that you think he can... What do you think he should do to Elon Musk? Not only that you beat, we know you know he can beat Elon Musk, but he is a trained jujitsu expert. What are you, Mark? I bet you, I bet you still have the white belt that you started with. <laughs> you told your sensei. I know, I know how this works. You told your sensei, don't give me a colored belt. Don't give me a colored belt. I will turn this white belt black with my <laughs> hard work and sweat. My own sweat. Yeah. <laughs> Glorious. Grinding your opponents into the dirt. Isn't that, is that how it worked? <laughs> I love the story. How's that? Okay. You still have your gi. <laughs> I do have a gi, yes. Yeah, great. And then we're, we're halfway to victory. And <laughs> again, you call the 941-799-6033, and then you tell us what you want him to do to Zuckerberg. Do you want to tune up on Musk? first or just humiliate him with his cowardice for not standing up to you and then go on to Zuckerberg because he'll probably take the bait. You won't realize the, the, the spiritual core that is in you that will, will lead this whole movement. I want to go after Elon Musk for promoting Dogecoin. You want to do what? I want to go after Elon Musk for promoting Dogecoin. He should be promoting Dash, right? Well, uh, Dash would be great, yes. Yes. That's, well, there's a lot to think about here, and we'll have to expand on it in the next segment. But remember, hashtag the real cage fight, and I, will, I won't dwell on this in the next segment, but I will tell you from a, a fantasy sports aspect why Mark is sure to defeat them Right after this, you're listening to Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Tired of the ever-inflating U.S. dollar? You can live your life on Dash instead with some handy websites. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. Plus, many of their gift cards are available at a discount. But what about paying your bills? Spritz.Finance can do that, and they can send dollars to your bank account in case you still need those for some reason. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges, including the decentralized Maya protocol and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org. Dash. 
It's Rains and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. I'm Henry Rains. And I'm Mark Edge. And when we stopped just for a moment to get those important messages, I said I would come back and explain mathematically (laughs) why you are going to kick the butt of Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. Okay. Now, some people could just scan your image and realize that you're much more than either of them. Oh, well, I am a handsome man. I, just, just a handsome man. That really man. wasn't where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to the manly manliness of it all. Well, I was, well, first of all, you could say, if you were walking down the street, and of course you wouldn't provoke anybody, but if you were provoked, you probably have a 50-50 chance of beating the person that provokes you. Now, I, 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 I hesitate to say that myself, but I'm talking random people here. Like, like the hand of God just came down and stuck a bee in their bonnet, and they got provoked, and they were like, okay, Mr. Hawaiian shirt person, <laughs> let's throw down. I, I would say, on average, you could have yourself tested repeatedly like that, and if you didn't suffer any permanent damage, you'd probably come out 50-50. But we know that Elon Musk has not faced the challenges that you have in your life. So right away, we lower his bar graph down from 50-50 to 25, and yours goes up to 75. Okay. Then... Just through adversity. Yes. Well, challenges. (laughs) Okay. Fine. Adversities become challenges. Gotcha. But now... Do I get any? Is there a handicap? Any kind of bad thing for being a Quaker? Like I'm, you know, even though I did martial arts oh. for quite some time, I'm a pacifist. Well, no, you really aren't. <laughs> I don't think so. I think if you got mad, you would. Suddenly, <laughs> all the pacifist stuff goes out the window. Yeah, I think it's. There's some evidence. You're for an what aspirational you're pacifist. I think if you ask my son. Whether or not I'm a pacifist, will probably say, heck no, that guy's yelling all the time. By the way, Jack makes fantastic foam weapons. So you know, by the way, I did not realize that foam weapons were a thing. I realized when he brought some in when I was giving him a ride to school into the car that he had created these things. It wasn't until the Tampa Bay Comic Convention that they had a room for foam weapon warfare that I realized just how deep into the, the, the foam rubber combat world that he was. So I knew that that DNA is in him. That LARP, the LARPers love the foam weapons, and, and Jack just liked the foam weapons specifically. Now, I guess the possibility is that the warrior came from Laura. <laughs> but considering, going back to the 50-50 thing, you know, it's an X chromosome and a Y chromosome, so it's 50-50 that he got the DNA from you. Okay. We're going to go with that assumption. All right. The, the warrior is from Mark. And then, I'd so, say all, there's a pretty good argument that anybody who's alive today is descended from warriors, successful ones. Oh, I don't know about that either. So, anyway, <laughs> forget the Quaker stuff. All right. I don't really believe that anyway about you. All right. <laughs> well, you I remember... A, you can go to a meeting with me on Sunday if you want. Oh, and, there's there, churches are full of people at meetings. <laughs> it's true. I remember a young man that 
wore combat boots with spikes out the toes. That's true. Yes. I did. Doing damage in the mosh pit. There was the eighties were a crazy time. I, I would hesitate I wouldn't hesitate to say that neither Zuckerberg or Musk ever had combat boots like your combat boots. Probably true. And I'd also go to saying I think you don't make a thing about it, but you probably have a better idea of how cruel and evil people can be. Indeed. Uh, I wouldn't take either of them... Uh, I would take both of them seriously. I do have some numbers, by the way. I looked, uh, looked this up. This is important. Mark Zuckerberg is five foot seven and weighs at about uh, 65 kilos, which is heavy for a man that's uh, five foot seven. He's uh, probably pretty well, muscular. 65, 2.2 times 2.2 is 130. He's only about 140 or 150. Well, I haven't done the calculations, but um, 65... I, I, I know something about kilos. Um, yeah, I'm at, at like 85. 2.2 pounds per kilo. And Musk, on the other hand, is... Bad high school habits taught me the metric system. <laughs> That's right. Well, um, it's on every weight plate. Every 45-pound plate is uh, 22 kilos or something like that. Right. 20 kilos. I don't remember. Um, and then Musk is six foot two and weighs 90 kilos. So on the numbers, the tail of the tape, as it were, um, immediately... I'm concerned about Musk because he's got two inches he, on me. He's 6'2"? 6'2", 90 inches. 90 kilos? 90 kilos. So he's got five kilos on me and, and, and three That's inches. That's about 198 pounds. Uh-huh. And how much do you weigh? Um, 85 kilos. Well, that's not a significant difference. It's not significant, and that's it's where you store it. That's six foot two. You just all you have to do is run at him and grab him. He's a little him. jiggly around the middle well, from indeed. pictures I've seen. Now, lucky we're not talking about Jeff Bezos because that <laughs> is one buff billionaire. Is that so? Yes, you haven't seen those pictures of him no. that he, Laura Sanchez has taken of him to show on Instagram. No, that yeah, he's. Well, that's one of the, my concerns here is these wealthy guys have time to work No, they out. have no time. Okay. They're self-obsessed. <laughs> well, <laughs> either way. Um, well, wait a minute, but let's just recap. So right now, I have you at a 75% uh, favorable odds to the must 25%. Okay. And then his attention span. He's always doing different stuff. He's going to immediately begin paying attention to me if we are You're damn right rolling he is. around on the ground. When you lock down that double wrist lock <laughs> and you crank that elbow forward and the wrist back. The dangers of wrist locks is, is that um, the, other, the person generally has the other hand free, and that is to pummel your face with. I think wrist locks have their value, but usually mm, from behind. No, no, not really. Now, now, I I didn't study under Carl Gotch, but I studied with the guys that Carl Gotch was training. Okay. And once you, so let me give you a little instruction here, Mark, because obviously there must be a a moment lacking in that jujitsu training. So as now the, I will describe this as best I can, but the audience will have to work with me here to visualize this. So once you bring him down. Now you can strike. It's okay. You can strike him and bring him down. Once you bring him down, and you put your body weight on top of him, and you come under his arm, underneath the armpit, and you get that wrist lock on him, and you start lifting your, let's say, your left elbow against his right shoulder. Your your knee is going to be in his ribs. Yep. 
How is he going to strike you with his right hand? That is, uh, that, that's a good system. Like, you have to be on top. You have to be applying yeah. pressure. And uh, then you're going to take that left knee, you're going to be banging it in his eardrum, <laughs> and he's going to pop his head up, and that's going to give you more leverage right there. I'm looking for the submission on this, Henry. I'm not trying to cause any damage. <laughs> but um, One in the same, Mark. One in the same. <laughs> this is uh, another important point is, is that Zuckerberg's been doing jiu-jitsu since 2022, which means he's had about the same instruction amount as I have. Now he's also but he doesn't have me. I understand. Um, which and, and by the way, he has this, had the same instruction amount, and he's what five inches shorter and twenty kilos lighter. Mark, we have not even gotten scratched the surface of your training. <laughs> Between well, how Carl Gotch taught my compatriots. And my watching of the Rocky movies, you are going to be. Ch- <laughs> yeah, don't don't laugh. You are going to be chasing down chickens and giving them a chicken wing arm hold, and they are going to squawk like their life is passing before their <laughs> eyes. Part of Rocky's training, chasing chickens. Now, now my personal one, the one that we, I, I got to stop. I have to stop. I have to not be sadistic in this. I, I, I'm trying to keep this at a higher level, even though you're going to have to hurt him. I mean, oh, I'm not scared of, uh, of hurting, but... I, now, what, say he rolls into you. Now, I want you to take your... Now, he's going to turn into you, and you're facing him on your knees. He's on his knees. I want you to bring your left arm up against his chin, and then with your right arm, put it on top of his whole shoulder. And as you get that left arm grabbing your wrist or forearm on your right. It'll turn his head sideways, and then you just lean into him, and you just lift a little bit. And right then, I've had that put on me before, just allowing somebody to do it. Not Yeah, it squeals. It'll make you squeal. Yeah, you, you realize that you are a half inch away from death, and you go, why did I ever do this? <laughs> and that is what Elon Musk will be saying to him. <sighs> now. You know... After I've seen these numbers, now mind you, Elon Musk has had MMA training. Hashtag the real cage fight. Hashtag master of the media. The real master of the media. <laughs> um, MMA, uh, excuse me, uh, Zuckerberg's had MMA training. All right? So he, uh, that's something I have not had. Now, that, that dilutes his uh, jujitsu, though. So well, we were talking about you and Musk. I haven't handicapped Zuckerberg yet. Okay, well... Um, I'll say this as somebody who has not been trained in, uh, you know, martial arts, or is going to get two months worth, really doesn't have anything against somebody who's been doing it for years. I mean, that's it. Um, you know, end of story. You could take the the biggest guy who has had no martial arts training, and I don't mean it has to be specifically jujitsu or something like that. I mean, you know, trained to fight. That's what martial arts means. Um, you can take the biggest guy that has not been trained to fight. And put him against a normal-sized guy that has, and the normal-sized guy is going to win. That's just that. So if Musk is untrained, as I believe him to be, I'm going to say I got him. Done. Yeah. Now, the question you would have is, is how much time does he get to train for this? Well, the question that I have is what should be the uh, odds on FanDuel if I bet on you <laughs> versus betting on Musk? Would, would, uh, are you going to beat him decisively enough? Well, I think that the um, the kids out there are going to 
they're going to vote for Musk. Musk is a internet celebrity, so he's going to get he's going to have the odds towards him because people. I'm an unknown quantity, and is my uh, guess. I didn't think that they make the odds on FanDuel by what some wet behind the ears uh, Gen Zers think about the the likelihood of your success. I know nothing of FanDuel, but when you make Draft odds. Kings. When you make your odds, you make your odds for the people that they're betting for, right? Like GameStop shouldn't have gone to the moon, but it did because people were betting on it. People were buying it. I think, and, and by the way, this is a good time to tell people, people that know about this stuff could leave us a message on our voicemail line uh, at 941-799-6033, 941-799-6033, and, and provide their... There's probably mixed martial artists out there that you, you, you probably have the support of so many people that, that would help you with this. But let's get back to where we were. So I would think... This is perhaps a bad assumption on my part, but I would think that people that handle the book for mixed martial arts are going to analyze the data. Oh, sure. And there isn't a lot of data on either of you as far as uh, successful or unsuccessful fights. The only bout that I've had, uh, the only tournament that I've been in, I was what they call one and done. Um, you know, I had a guy for about... Kicked his butt? Nope, nope. He Kicked got her me. butt. <laughs> he got me. He got, a, he got an arm bar that I'd never seen before. And that was that. All right. So you got experience. And <laughs> I call experience experience. Right. Burdened with glorious purpose. All right. Well, I think I think we'll start with Musk. Or rather, you'll start with Musk. How many how many uh, Hindu squats and push-ups are you doing these days? I'm doing uh, burpees uh, every day. How many? Um, we're, I'm trying to get a thousand in this month. This month. Yes. So divide a thousand by thirty. Yeah, it's like you know, like thirty-five a day. Yes. And that's in one set? Or? No, that's, uh, that's over three sets. You know, if you started Not doing 100 push-ups a day, the burpees would get easier. They sure would. But I think you, should, you need to work on your Hindu squats. You're just free squats. Start with free squats, and then go start going deeper into the Hindu squats. Okay, so what are Hindu squats? They're like free squats that go a little deeper. Okay, so a weightless, uh, un- unweighted squat that goes deep. Yes. Okay, like so I, I'm doing Asian squats every day. Um, which, you are uh, doing that? Yeah, sorry to all the Asians. Um, it just basically means going down and stretching into the lowest position. How many reps? Just just that uh, one? three times a day. Yeah, One rep three times a day? Yeah, I mean, it's not intended to build muscles. No, no, muscles. no. You, 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 we, need to, we need to increase that. Okay. Um, I was thinking... Well, the more time you give me to train is the more time you give Musk to train. No, we give, that's, that's the more know. time we give him to be distracted. <laughs> now... I'm, I, I'm about a month out of my regimen on this, but I would do like four sets of a hundred on the the squats, okay. and you can you can knock those out in twenty minutes. Yeah. The uh, the UFC the future UFC fighters because this was actually before UFC was a thing that Gotch was training. Their their minimum was five hundred. When I worked out with them, I made I did six hundred because I knew they I I was such a Oh, oh, some pejorative that you're not supposed to say on the air anymore. Um, that that um, I better do something to, to give myself a little bit of a chance. But the Japanese that they would go over to fight because the way that this worked back in the day, it was um, 
uh, Fujiwara UWF is for anybody that really wants to Google and get into this. If you want to know the actual uh, forerunner of UFC, this was um, a shoot-style wrestling that, that they were training in Tampa, the Americans, and then they would go to Japan once a month and they would have a match with one of their uh, Japanese wrestlers. Now, the Japanese standard was 1,000 squats a day, and it was, um, it was, you know, we're, we're going to go super back into the past now because uh, you, you can remember my dad vaguely being pretty, pretty tough. I mean, he wasn't mean to me, but... Leathery, he, yeah. He, yeah, former Marine, yeah. Uh, and he knew... He was there with me one day when Carl Gotch was working with the Americans. And my dad was whispering in my ear that countered every move that Carl Gotch was putting on. Really? Yes. Now, Carl Gotch was about 68 or 69 then. My dad was about 71. And this is the only time in my entire life I ever heard my dad say this. I said, well, why don't you get in there with him? He goes, that guy would kick my ass. And this is uh, a man that, it, actually, you might have even been at one of the uh, wrestling events that I had. He, he would wa watch the front gate, and you know these were $6 tickets back in 1989, 1990. Yeah. And, and you know how the Bradenton Auditorium was with these matches it just just outlaw wrestling basically and it was last match of the evening and four young men came in and they were like well how much is it now and my dad was like six dollars he goes it's the last match and he goes yes six dollars <laughs> that's the one that you pay for <laughs> and the one guy the, the head of the four said come on and he waved him on and you can maybe visualize my dad back then. With his left hand, he reached out and goozled him on the throat. Really? Yes, and held him motionless with his left arm while he reached down into that little cash box that he had and flipped out the six-inch blade on the <laughs> lock knife. And he said, who's next? <laughs> Damn. And now, we, we hired an off-duty police uh, officer for every one of these shows. So he tells me after this is all done... And I said, you did what? And, <laughs> and I said, he goes, don't worry. I went over and told the cop afterwards. He's okay with it. <laughs> I'm glad this happened in the 80s instead of now because I, I feel like I feel like it would have been a big deal. But yeah. Well, yeah, because then probably would have been $12 a ticket. <laughs> right, indeed. Uh, <laughs> These guys didn't want to pay, huh? All right, let, let, let's summarize here. We've. We told the people what we were going to tell them. We've told them, and now we tell them what we told them because we really rambled. One of us rambled a lot, I know. That uh, I Musk is a piece of cake. You're a little bit tentative about Zuckerberg, but you'll be riding that wave, that adrenaline of the victory from before, the glory. You know, uh, I, it's, it's, he, he has no chance. I'd want to, well, certainly I, with Musk, I believe that with what I've seen here written, yeah, I got him because he's untrained. And of course, if he has some time to train, that's going to be a problem. He's got three inches, two, three inches on me. Probably and in the midst of the, the, the match, you know, I'm going to be at ringside right there with you. I told I, you, I will, I will not throw so in that towel for you, no matter how much <laughs> you scream and, and act in pain. But 
I could have a little PA system then. And breaking news, Gigafactory blows up in Austin. He will not be able to, to ignore that. You won't be able to, to concentrate no, on that now. No, you, you got him. You got him. What? Uh, speaking of which, is that Gigafactory done yet? There's, which one? I don't know. Uh, there's a bunch of them. Okay. I mean, he's, he's even planning on one in Turkey now. He's going to have a factory in every uh, power center of the globe so that he can be what a megalomaniac, narcissistic, sociopathic billionaire can be. Well, be all you can be. Where would the world be without these guys, though, Henry? I mean, you know, the, the wonders of the world were all built by these kind of guys. Uh, now, you didn't tell me you were going to throw that out, but I don't know about that. Well, certainly not the natural wonders. Yeah, I mean, all right, I, 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 you've, you stopped me in my tracks. And, all right, so we get that. We'll, we've told the people about how they can give us some advice for Mark's the real hashtag, the real cage fight. And so he becomes hashtag the master of media. He already is, but he, the title will be bestowed. And, and maybe we should make our own book on this. <laughs> well, if, if it ever happens, then you would be able to collect in your debt. But um, otherwise... Well, no, that, that's probably illegal. But the merch, the merch not is going to go through the roof. <laughs> not, it's, not in Vegas, it's not. <laughs> All right. Well, what else you got there, Mark? Well, I got some stories. If uh... well, we have no time for stories, okay. <laughs> but we we got we got minutes. Okay, I'm well. just I was just trying to, you know, a little bob and feigning. You got to be ready. You quick on your feet like that, Mark. Well, I, I thank you. I appreciate that. The stories I've got are. Uh, it, it looks like it's going to take seven thousand years to achieve Greta Thornburg's renewable energy fantasy. At least according to to Sovereign Man here. Um, Apparently, Joe Biden has uh, moved 3,000 U.S. reservists to be ready in Europe for deployments. Oh, that'll make a difference. Well, um, yeah, the U.S. military, better than other militaries, I guess is the premise. East Cleveland police officers who pulled over people and robbed them, uh, sentenced to prison, and study finds that constitutional carry laws reduce murder rates. So this is the people that can uh, just go to that just go to a gun, gun store, you know, you don't have to ask permission or anything like that, at least from the state, and put a gun in your pocket and off you walk. So no, somehow those laws have reduced murder rates. Well, you don't just put it in your pocket, you got to fill out some paperwork. I'm certain that there would be some paperwork, but constitutional carry doesn't necessarily even mean paperwork. I mean, the constitution says you have the right to keep and bear arms. So Taking that as constitutional carry. Recent Supreme Court uh, interpretations have come to that conclusion. Okay. It wasn't always like that. No, it certainly was not. Um, I'm not talking about what we call concealed carry. I'm talking about this new thing called constitutional carry, which is basically asking permission from no one. Now, obviously, you have to ask permission from whomever you buy a gun from, but the premise is, is that if you've got one, you can just put it in your pocket. You don't need permission to do anything with it. Now, you would have to have permission of from the individual who owns wherever it is you're going. So if you come into the radio station The bar, station the here, church. Yeah, the radio station here may have a no-gun policy. And you the, think? I 
tend to think it doesn't. <laughs> there would need to be somebody here all the time to monitor that, probably. <laughs> there would there would have to be, but um, nonetheless, that's uh, any any business can decide whether or not they want people to come in or not with guns. I think that the the rational thing to do is is to root for constitutional carry, but not allow it in your business. <laughs> Well, all that and much, much more of importance will come back after these messages. You're listening to Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. Some of you have wanted to support Free Talk Live's mission on a monthly basis, but don't want to support Patreon. Now we have an alternative that also helps our premier streaming platform, Odyssey. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join at the top of the channel. You can subscribe for $5 per month, and unlike other subscription services, Odyssey adds their processing fee on top, so it'll cost a little over $5 per month, but Free Talk Live will receive the entire amount you pledged. Higher donation tiers are available if you're feeling so inspired. You'll get a special membership badge that's visible in the Odyssey chat room, and if we get enough supporters, we may enable members-only chat. This new subscription method is a great way to decentralize our direct listener support away from just Patreon and also support a libertarian-run business, Odyssey. Please visit video.freetalklive.com and click join to subscribe to our Odyssey channel and help support spreading our message around the planet. Visit video.freetalklive.com and click join today. Free Talk Live. Welcome to Reigns and Edge on the Free Talk Live network. I'm Henry Reigns. I'm Mark Edge. And just... Over the course of the last few minutes when we weren't live with you, Mark was telling me about some incident that you got to be careful about the animals that are in the shelter and where they go. And I'm not going to ask you to relay that, but it did make me think of a story that, that lets you, uh, leads you to think that everything they say about how evil the people in Washington are, they are. Because back around 2003, the um, head of the Republicans had control of the Senate in the United States, and Bill Frist, a senator from Tennessee, uh, was the leader of the uh, majority then. And he was actually an MD. And, you know, I don't know who would want to read his memoir. I mean, there's, it, it certainly is a higher level of authority and influence and I mean I will never be a doctor and the Senate majority leader I'm pretty sure about that clock's ticking on that it is an achievement but in his memoir he talked about his med school days and how he would go to the shelter and adopt a cat and then he would dissect the cat on the table of his apartment and there, there's so many questions that come to your mind about that. Maybe only two or three questions, really. <laughs> but the, the question in my mind was, why would you tell anybody this? <laughs> it's, it, yes, why would you do that? Um, yeah. And it just so happens that was the first time I got to host a radio show on my own. It was around 2003. It was just a fill-in. And it turned out there was a cat mutilator in Arizona, and I got the tip line, 
and I dropped the dime on Senator Bill Frist. It was just a recording, <laughs> but I'm sure they were checking the flight logs uh, as as they re- heard about it. it. Well, it is. I mean, on one hand, of course, that especially at that time, um, you know, what the fifties, forties, maybe. Oh, he was. He was, this, he was old then. It's twenty years ago. Maybe the late sixties, early seventies. Okay. 2003, and you figure he was in his 60s, so... Okay. Um, even at, at that time, certainly, they weren't, you know, concerned with cats getting dissected by promising uh, medical students, but it sure does sound strange, going to the you, you would think that eventually people would become suspicious when he kept coming back. Oh, it ran away again. <laughs> huh. Just need another cat. <laughs> You have a bigger one? <laughs> well, one wonders how many times he bothered to do it. I mean, you're not going to find anything new in the cat. Which makes me think of Elon Musk again. Another reason why you need the hashtag the real cage fight so that you become hashtag the master of media <laughs> is because I have read an article. I don't have it here, and I don't want to gross everybody out. But it was a, uh, the diary notes from the testing of the Neuralink uh, you know, that's one of his projects. Uh, he doesn't have enough. Was the Neuralink that yep. you have implants in, in the brain and, you know, you'll solve, I don't know, uh, paralysis or uh, bad thinking or whatever. Right. Well, <laughs> but, I think the first thing is, is that it's, uh, well, uh, the first thing is the paralysis, but likely it's all about the new add ons to human minds. Yes. Uh, but they show a picture of this, or I forget what kind of monkey it was. A relatively big one, and it's got its head is sticking through a hole in the the feeding box, where so he couldn't the, he or she couldn't move, and and you have these people writing observations about how his his or her behavior is changing. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, my behavior would change if I was stuck in a glory hole too. What? You want to elaborate on that? <laughs> well, it would change some manner I didn't or know they were generally big enough to put your head through. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how it all works. Uh, <laughs> certainly it was on your mind. <laughs> Admittedly, I was stuck. Well, that's why the Republican Party is coming apart at the seams, according to, uh, I don't know, whoever wrote this story here that I have, because there were two special elections last week. And Democrats won and outperformed uh, their traditional margins by 10 points. Which in is, both? Yes. One was in New Hampshire. Okay. Uh, and the other was uh, outside of Pittsburgh, which flipped the Pennsylvania State House. And that is going on with, uh, uh, it seems to be a trend line these last couple of years, and since the last general election. And... On the other hand, we have the Republican Party, and I was just checking. I don't see anything new about the shutdown other than they haven't found a way to not shut down yet. And So do you think the Republican Party may be playing the wrong cards for the electorate? Well, it, clearly they're not getting good results at this, at this time, and these sort of uh, special elections are always used as a weather vane as to how things are going to go. How the horse race is going. Right. And I think they're important to, you know, just, just to sort of look at because we don't really know anything until the election occurs. Um, 
you know, like, well, there's all these polls and, and this and that, but you really don't know until it happens. However, I would say this. Democrats know all of this information, and in the case of the special election, they dumped, supposedly, uh, according to people in New, New Hampshire. Which one? The New Hampshire? The New or Hampshire the... special election. They dumped tens of thousands of dollars into the New Hampshire special election in a district that spends nothing. And so, you know, I mean, one could write it off due to that, or who knows? But, I mean, I, both sides have reasons to hope. The Democrats have the hope of, well, Republicans are the dog that caught the car on abortion, and they're messing it up. And it's hard to argue with that point, <laughs> no doubt. And this is a big issue to a lot of Americans, whether Republicans want to uh, believe that or not. On the other hand, um, Joe Biden's uh, economy isn't making everyone happy. Um, there's a lot of people who feel like, you know, well, the, the reality is is that, uh, you know, the, the paychecks aren't worth what they used to be, that people can buy less and, you know, a variety of things, that uh, money is still flowing from the 90% to the top 10%. Who knows why? But um, problem that uh, isn't going to make it's people... It's the circle of life. <laughs> it's the circle of life, right? Until the revolution comes and then we all tear it down and do it all over again. And then we all live in poverty. Right. But we'll be equal. <laughs> poverty but equal. Uh-huh. So uh, what's going to happen? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I see the Republicans are you know, giddy with how they're going to win and the Re- Democrats are giddy with how they're going to win. The, the shutdown, though, that doesn't seem to be... Anything I hear people out in the in the far pickleball courts of my my surroundings talking about it. What shutdown? I, pardon me. What shutdown are you talking about? The uh, budget shutdown. The, okay. the, that they're not going to. This is the strange thing that we have uh, an appropriation process that the House you know, United States House of Representatives does, and they allocate money, and that's the constitutional job of them, and then. Even though it's appropriated, and we've been running a debt ceiling for effectively forever, um, they they have to then okay the to to borrow the money that they've already appropriated for spending. And I don't think people really understand why it why why they have to hold your the gun to the uh, proverbial head to get the money they already appropriated when they signed off on it. They keep choosing to do this. So the they can raise the debt ceiling as much as they want to raise it when they raise it, but they keep choosing to raise it a little bit. With that with the uh, assumed premise is is that don't worry, in one year we will have our crap together and we will stop spending so much. So the debt to GDP ratio is staggering. I mean, it's just skyrocketed um, in the recent past and Whatever that means, we don't know what it means. But you know, the the bankers. Well, you the have these periodic crises when that happens, and then it it shrinks again. So we it's have like it shrunk. Well, it shrinks relative to what it expanded to, and the other the debt. Th- the debt hasn't gone down the, yet. As a as a percentage of the GDP. Okay. No, the the debt doesn't go down, but as a percentage. You know, they're not trying to get rid of the debt. They're trying to keep it within a, the parameters of sure. a certain range. And so, like, when we had the great financial crisis in 2007, 2008, um, you know, there was a bunch of extra spending on that to try and prop up the economy. And then eventually it worked through. And then as 
we got into the Obama years, the size of the deficit relative to the budget shrunk. And then we had the COVID era where they... Don't, don't confuse the deficit with the debt. The deficit is how much you're adding to the debt. The debt itself has... Basically, there's been almost no drops in oh, I the said debt. The, the, the deficit yeah. as a percentage of the GDP. Well, the deficit to GDP, I think, is a, uh, relatively irrelevant. It's how irresponsible are the politicians in Washington. Uh, less irresponsible than last year or more irresponsible than last year. Whereas the debt to GDP is, I mean, it's just stayed high. And if there's a good ratio of debt to GDP... We've blown past it, is what my uh, premise would be. Now, I won't claim to know what the what the debt is going to do, but I will claim that um, U.S. bonds have been uh, lowered, diminished in their rating in the past, and presumably, if our debt continues, well, some to of run, that has come from the threatened shutdowns. Too. Indeed, it does. Yeah. Um, you know, so I don't know. I I remember that uh, Milton Friedman said. That the debt doesn't matter. Now he said this when the debt to GDP was, you know, twenty percent as opposed to a hundred and twenty percent, which is where it is now. And um, so, I mean, you know, I don't know what he means when he says it. I'm just looking here at the uh, Peter G. Peterson Foundation uh, with their national debt has risen drastically over the past year. Um, this is a from World War II reached over 100% in World War II, then it just sort of fell um, down through the following decades, and it has gone above 100% since, looks like about the mid, uh, like 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. Well, it's funny you said that percentage that was attributed to Milton Friedman, because I remember back in the 70s uh, reading a, so there, but back in the 70s, there used to be these things called newspapers. <laughs> and they had opinion pages, and sometimes there were guest uh, writers. Yeah. And Ted, I remember Ted Kennedy had uh, a guest opinion. Probably came from the Washington Post and New York Times, but it somehow made a... A national debt? Yeah. Well, he, he, he made the case that um, the, the deficit was running about... The budget deficit was running about 22%. And I believe that meant of 22% of the budget. And that, you know, it had done that such and such time, and now it's doing it again. And this was, this was at the height of one of the uh, first oil crises in the 70s. Mm, yeah. And uh, he goes like, we can do this forever. I paraphrased. Yeah. <laughs> he, I can do this all day. He, 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 he <laughs> sounded, I can do this all day. His staff person made it sound a lot smoother in the editorial. But... That's that's 70, 1970, 30, 45 years ago, and we ran it in the 60s. Look at the way how we bloomed the deficit, in, uh, the budget deficit in World War II. So as long as but we have the to be currency, clear, the debt to GDP ratio is higher now than it was in World War II. That means we owe more. Um, we as a country owe more than. Um, compared to GDP, than we do now. Okay, what were those numbers? Um, so World War II, at the peak, peak, peak of World War II, it reached, it, you know, it just looked over the top of 100%. And we left 100% in the rear view mirror 
in, I'm going to call it 2017. It doesn't exactly say here, but maybe 2020. Oh, right after the tax cuts from the uh, Trump administration. I'm not claiming it's the Democrats. I would Uh never do that. And I have on the air been assiduous that both sides have been responsible for the spending. If a national debt to GDP ratio is bad above 100%, I don't know. But if it is... Both sides well, how, are what, what is the actual size of it compared to that? So um, the size of it compared to that, it has reached, according to this, in 20... Well, this goes above. Uh, this is the current line. So it peaked above 100%. And this, I'm sorry, what I was looking at here was um, where it has never looked back, was from 2023 to 2033. Um, this is the future. It should be in a different color, <laughs> just to sort of let people know. Um, but basically, it peaked above a 100% in both World War II and now. So this well, crisis we, we had a, that we're seeing is a crisis on the level of World War II. No, that's that's apples and oranges. Okay. Nobody was dying. Uh, well, actually, they were dying in the pandemic, but nobody was rounding up millions of American sons and daughters to send them over to Europe to, to fight. Indeed. Uh, but, and the, the good news is we've had some real high inflation numbers. So, <laughs> uh, you know, that, that, that shrinks the real value of the, the deficit. Well, right. The GDP is going to go up because inflationary numbers have yeah. increased, for sure. So I agree with that. Mm-hmm. All right. I, don't, I, I, I don't know what to say. Is, is America's future looking up? I'll give you some good, um, some some things to think about. First off, um, who's going to take its place? Well, there's probably some people in China that have an idea. I, I, China thinks they are, but China had that one-child policy for a very, very long time, and they have a huge demographic crisis that yes. they're going to have to be dealing with in the future. They're either, and this is my my conspiracy mind runs off with COVID and says. COVID was designed to wipe out Chinese old people so that Xi Jinping didn't have to worry about them. But it's just a conspiracy theory. I'm not going to try to back it up any further than that. If I was an evil ruler, I would try to wipe out my own old people that are no longer valuable. But you're a Quaker. I wouldn't do that, yeah. Um, Then again, neither would Nixon, who was also a Quaker. (laughs) Um, Then, uh, or... You know, but so ch- I just don't think China has what it takes to take over the brass ring, take, take the, the ring of power from the United States. And there's nobody who's second, nobody who's even close. Uh, India is They're approaching to be the third largest economy in the world. If India can cut its bureaucracy and they allow... They have the demographics in favor of their uh, more productive age groups. Indeed. I agree 100%. If, if India can cut its bureaucracy... Or the United States continues to keep in, uh, you know, upwardly mobile, mobile Indians out of the United States, a la Trump, because you know it's crazy, crazy to keep the best minds in the world out. I mean, you are a xenophobe of the highest order if you're like, nope, you got a college degree, nope, you can't stay. We gave you bought a college degree from us, but you got to get out now. What are you crazy? Keep the people with the college degrees. Keep every keep everybody who comes to this country who has an IQ above 115. If they've got a standard deviation above, uh, you know, the mean, keep them. Are you crazy? Kick them out. Well, demographically, we do need the, the laborers. We have a labor shortage right now. I'm not trying. Uh, certainly, this is just an argument to keep 
the intelligent. And by the way, a smart uh, hole digger is a better hole digger than a dumb one. You don't need to take every smart person and throw them into the space program or something like that. Um, you know, smart people can do all kinds of work. I mean, a smart plumber is a better plumber than a dumb plumber. And that's that. You might say if, if you manage to bring your family uh, up through Central America, get crossed in, into the border, probably you're pretty resourceful. As far as I'm concerned, you could solve the, the, uh, the crisis, immigration crisis, if we want to use such a term, by simply stop handing out money. If you put out a bowl of cat food every morning in front of your door and then complain that stray cats come and eat that cat food, you're a crazy person. Stop putting the cat food out. Oh, then, I thought you meant my bedroom door. My <laughs> cats would be there. Right. <laughs> I'm talking about your front door, yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, the, uh, if, if, if people come to this, this country to work, not to receive welfare... I say welcome them with open arms. And, frankly, I would create a blue card program that would create a second-class citizenship that says, hey, you're going to come to this country... I think you need a different euphemism. Why is that? Than second-class citizenship. I understand, but I'm just, I'm just honest. Ask any... Go to Honduras right now. No. Well, okay. You can go with me uh, anytime you want. Um, but go to Honduras and ask a few people around. Hey... If you could come to the United States, but you would never be able to vote and you'd never be able to receive welfare, would you come? And they'd say, see, 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 see. They'd be all over it because that would be a step up for them. The Democrats don't want that because they want those voters. The Republicans don't want it because they think they have to pay for all the uh, the benefits and largely they don't. Uh, I, I was with you there until your final analysis there. What's that? Democrats well, want you, people to come from foreign countries to vote Democrat? It, the Democrats can be patient and let those people that cut in have babies, and those will be, uh, in their minds, Democratic voters. It's likely, likely true unless the Republicans change their ways. And what was the other part of the Republicans' point of view was? The Republicans' point of view is, is they don't want people coming for... Republican point of view is they don't want people coming to the United States for basically three reasons. One of which they can stick up their uh, patootie. The uh, two, re this, the first two reasons are a they're going to vote Democrat. Well, of course they're going to vote Democrat. You've told them they're subhuman. People don't vote for parties that tell them that they're subhuman. Second um, reason is because there's lots of welfare given away to um, people who come to this country, and it's true in some cases. Uh, you know, especially the uh, refugees, they get all kinds of money. But a lot of people who are not refugees are not getting any at all. In fact, they're paying into the system that they don't receive anything from. So there's this huge, wide gamut. The third is, they're taking our jobs! And if you can't compete against an illiterate Central American for your job, screw you. Uh, there's, there's another reason, is that there is a paranoia about the browning of America. And well, there's a whole lot of people that don't like to uh, to have to compete just in the diversity of it all. America was worried, worried about the browning of America when the Italians were coming, and when the Spanish were coming, and when the Portuguese were coming. And it. But then we made them white people. Right, and now they've been slid on over. Well, we did it with the Asians, too. The first anti-immigration laws in this country were anti-Chinese and anti-Japanese, uh, what they called the Yellow Man laws in the 1880s. 
And now those people are basically honorary Aryans, uh, well, as uh, Roosevelt would say. Uh, and actually those laws stuck around into the 60s and 70s along with uh, other laws that finally were removed after the civil rights movement. Uh, you couldn't have a, a Buddhist temple in California until the late 60s or early 70s. Yeah. Well, we'll get more of this on the other side of these messages. You're listening to Rains and Edge on Free Talk Live. It's Rains and Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. I'm Henry Range. I'm Mark Edge. Mark, what's on your mind? <laughs> well, I have this question. So there's this um, constitutional change that is kind of been proposed in... It's, has, has have not you been yet, changing your diet? Has that affected your constitution? No, no. Walking more? It, well, yes. I, I, try to, I try to walk all the time. Because yeah, you've got that big fight coming up. Well, you need to stay on top of that. I sincerely hope that doesn't happen. Um the uh, there's a constitutional change that will be proposed in New Hampshire. I'm working with some people to get this particular change. Oh, you're proposed. the instigator. I I I am among the people who were the first to suggest this. You're one of the troublemakers, right? And this constitutional change, and I'm asking you, you, you know, a guy who's just sort of, you're not in the libertarian sphere, you you know, you, you got some leanings here and there, but largely you're just sort of a democratic voter. A well-informed yes. one. I still don't think they can make you king of New Hampshire. <laughs> They'd be better off. Um, so, in this circumstance, basically what we're trying to do is drive a stake through the heart of partisan politics. Yes, that's the Democrats, but yes, it's the Republicans too. And you have to consider, as a Democrat, um, in the state of New Hampshire, the Republicans really have had all, always had the power. And they're not likely to lose it anytime soon. Well, now let me just stop you for a second. Yep. So you want to drive a stake into the heart of partisan politics. Correct. So you want to drive a stake into human nature to... Okay. Well, I think we, I think we have to... That's what states are for, is experimentation. And I have a question. Um, this is. Uh, let me tell you how the constitutional change would come, and then uh, I'll, I'll hit you with a question. So the, this would basically be a situation where any law that went through – this is not the budget. The budget, I think, has to pass by 50 percent um, because otherwise it won't necessarily get through. But just imagine every law that uh, gets changed. Now, New Hampshire has three – it's tricameral. It's not bicameral. It has – a House, which has 400, and 400 members. Mm -hmm. It has a Senate, which has, I think, 35, 25, 25, uh, if I'm correct. And it has a, an executive committee, which has five. So any is law... Is the governor one of those? The governor is not on the executive committee. He's the, uh, the, the fourth check on any law that goes through. Now, the mm. executive committee is only for laws that have spending parameters. Um, so if there's no spending, it doesn't go through the executive committee. But functionally, everything has spending to it now, and so everything goes through the executive committee. So let me just – you have the executive committee yep. that controls the money. 
a, correct. But the budget goes through the House, I believe. So they rubber stamp it, whatever the executive committee sends? I don't know. I mean, I, they, I've, they I've, amend I've, it? I haven't worked in this, okay. uh, right. this sphere. I just don't want to digress you. Just to tell you how it, it fits together. So the idea is is essentially to make it, for any law to pass, it, gets, it has to get a two-thirds super major, majority. And for any law to be undone, taken off the books, you would take a... Um, it would simply take... That's what you're 50%. proposing? Yes. Any, any law to be undone, what was the requirement? Uh, 50% to undo a law. 51%? Uh, 50% plus one, right? And that way it would turn... It, you know, For one, it would clean up the books. Who? How can anyone know what all the laws are? And Why do they need to know? <laughs> so that they don't violate them. Okay. <laughs> you see the problem, though. You, you, you get that uh, people oftentimes don't even know. They don't know. I don't know that I need to know the laws about uh, the building code for high-rises because I'm not building one. Sure. And my guess would be that the building codes for high-rises in New Hampshire are probably behind the building codes for high-rises in other locations. Plus the fact that if you don't build your high-rise correctly, it's going to fall down. So you ought to build it correctly. You'll be long gone. Do we really need government bureaucrats slowing down the process yes. to build? Okay, I, I get that. That's what you think. However, as a um, as that, a, that's what my experience with human nature tells me. Yes. Okay. Um, this is and this is an experiment in order to see whether or not fewer laws might be a better thing. Because um, I mean, one thing's for sure that the libertarians are taking over in New Hampshire, and that's for sure. Yeah, it's happening. Hmm. I can, I've got a uh, Boston NBC, I think it is, uh, series for you to take a look at. Uh, you know, it's I, I think it's uh, Live Free or Die in New Hampshire or something like that. It's, uh, it's a great piece, and it shows, well, uh, as unbiasedly as they can, what's happening in New Hampshire. So, anyway, basically what this would do is make it... Make it so no particular party could take control of any house and get its stuff through. So, yes, it destroys the Democrats, but it also destroys the Republicans in the process. And the presumption is is that a state is just there to serve the people in the state, not a political party. And if a law is good enough, it ought to be agreed upon by two-thirds of the representatives of people. But you have to elect these people. They will be elected by a 50% majority, yes. And who's going to work to get the people elected? Um, presumably, once the if, if the parties... But, at first, it'll be the parties, right? But the, the purpose of a political party, the real purpose, is yep. to get people elected yep. to accumulate power. Can you name one New Hampshire... One politician that's ever come out of New Hampshire. Sununu. Yep, that's the only one I could name, too. Um, no, 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 no. I'm going on now. Um, wasn't that Gene Shahi or... Gene Shaheen. So you've got a couple of uh, senators there. However, I think that the political parties in New Hampshire, because there's 400 representatives, 400 of them, yes. the it's political parties don't do that much for them. So... What do we really need in this circumstance? Um, you know, they're, they're just 
They're, nobody knows who they're voting for in New Hampshire. They just say, well, I'm mad at the president, the president's a Republican, so I'm going to vote for a Democrat. Or I'm happy with the president, the president's a Republican, so I'm going to vote for the Republicans. Or whatever. They make some very mild calculation. And then they go and they vote that way. That the vast majority of the voters have no clue who they're voting for in the vast majority of elections. That's my premise in New Hampshire. And I think it's true largely around America. How big is the vast majority? Um, 66%. 66 percent of, of voters don't know who they're voting for in 66% of uh, elections. And I don't mean uh, going to the poll as an election. I mean voting for the registrar of deeds and voting for the tax collector and voting for each one of those. Like, they just don't know who these people are. And if they don't have a party to help them out, they just look at the last name and they say, oh, I knew an Anderson in school. I'll vote for the Anderson. And that makes people with weird ethnic names less likely to be voted in, and people with um, ordinary last names more likely to be voted in. Names like Reigns and Edge. So, Are we running? We are not. We are oh, not running. Okay. I, I looked away for a second, and I didn't know if I was running. <laughs> I don't think you're eligible to run for office. It so, actually would be. If you don't have political parties, then well, you, then you will have financial interest to back these people to to pass the laws that they want passed. Another thing about the New Hampshire House is that basically there's no money given to anyone to ru- to to run the house. Like nobody gets any money because there's four hundred. As in a people. salary. Well, the salaries are $200 every two years, and there's no payoffs. The lobbyists – I mean, the lobbyists don't even bother in New Hampshire either because it's not worth it trying to deal with this big, cumbersome body that has – What's the biggest industry little, in New Hampshire? Um, Free uh, Talk tr- Live? Tree sap and uh, rocks are the uh, biggest exports. I know that much. So uh, maple syrup and granite countertops are you know big things. There's – a tech corridor that runs between Nashua and Manchester that's kind of a outcropping of the Boston market. That's about it. Tourism? Of course, people come to Leaf Peep, but it's not like Florida. Um, no, it isn't. <laughs> Florida's, very, Florida's a very special place in the United States. So, Now, if you think about it this way, maybe I'll be successful and maybe I won't in driving a stake through the heart of partisan politics. However, if... Wait, what, what was the proposal again? The proposal is to make it um, a two-thirds majority to pass a law. Okay. And that the idea is, is, is if th- something's important enough to throw somebody in prison over, at the very least you should be able to get uh, two-thirds of the citizen politicians How, What do you need to, to pass a constitutional amendment? Two-thirds. Okay. So effectively everything would be um, a constitutional amendment. There's mm-hmm. a little bit more to a constitutional amendment, but this is just to make it easy. You got to get it on the ballot. No, I don't think it's voted on by it's voted on by politicians in New Hampshire. This is a very old system, right. not like the ones where in Florida, for instance, a constitutional amendment can be passed by two thirds of the voters on the ballot, like the super fast choo choo that was supposed to 60%. run from yeah. 60, 60 percent. Yeah. It was supposed to run from Miami to Orlando to Tampa or whatever, and then uh, a decade later, they after they saw the spending and how many. No, no, that's not how it went. Rick Scott killed it. Okay. Tell me about it. He, well, he just refused to take the money and and move it forward. Well, the people voted against it, right? No. 
ultimately. It was taken off the Constitution. I mean, somehow. All right. I don't. I don't remember it that way. Okay. Um, we don't have it either way. Either way, you don't have a, a bullet train, and I wonder what the value of a bullet train is anyway. But um, if the if a bullet train was needed, the marketplace would have uh, provided. Well, we'll never know the value if we never have one. That's true. We'll never know, and um, I'm sure the car manufacturers appreciate it. So, what do you think about the idea of getting more politicians to vote for any given law? Because I kind of have a problem. Sounds with like saying, gridlock. But that's your point. That's what you want. I am trying to create gridlock, indeed. Uh-huh. Um, but I think more uh, realistically, I'd like any law of the past to actually I, have I think the- I like the constitutional amendment to make you king better. <laughs> okay. I'm in. But uh, unlikely. Then you can just govern by edict. So you don't like it because it creates gridlock. Well, it doesn't sound like there's much going on in New Hampshire that would make a difference to me either way, but... Uh, I, I'm trying. I'm having trying to have you uh, move yourself mentally to New Hampshire just to see what mm-hmm. what 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 the man on the street would think about this proposal. Well, I think to relate to it, the best I could do would be to think of some of the rural areas of Florida or the South, and you still need laws, and you need to. Well, we. I remember laws. in the '70s when I went to the University of Florida. The next county over, Levy County, I believe it was, had no building code whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You could do whatever you wanted on your land, and it was very sparsely populated at that time. But um, places where people can do whatever they want, you know, dump whatever toxic stuff they want to do on their their. Presumably, if you dump toxic stuff, you're open to a tort from your neighbors. Now, um, that's not to say that. I mean, it's just just because you uh, you, you would have, they would have to prove damages. And they would have to have the the financial wherewithal to to move it forward. They would and, have to prove and damages. Really, the people who get cancer thirty years later, you know, what do you, what does the previous owner care about that? They're long gone. Indeed, um, I think that, I think that there are issues with that particular uh, thing. But you know, what's stopping somebody who wants to dump toxic stuff from dumping it right now? I mean, you know, there's still the same issues that uh, they're just di- dumping it. At well, night. the law doesn't stop you. No, getting uh, caught breaking the law is what stops you. Sure, <laughs> but getting caught dumping, uh, you know, some kind of toxic waste when your neighbors know about it, I think that there's a reasonable presumption that it will cause damages and it will get into the water supply. So therefore, you can't do it. We have a situation right here in Manatee County where they had a phosphate mine and it was almost a huge ecological disaster about a year ago. With a, If you don't know about phosphate mines, you have the gypsum sacks, and which are toxic material. You also have the water that was stored on the site. The phosphate mine was active in the 60s and I think early 70s. It had gone through a couple different changes of ownership and property and... So there, we almost had a huge uh, ecological disaster in this county. Were they still and, mining, or they had stopped mining? Uh, it stopped. And, yeah. You know, some people, you know, it changed ownership a couple times. They, they didn't even know who to go after, and it was all going to fall on the the state to clean it up. Sure. And in the uh, our solution is we're digging a big hole and we're going to shove it down farther underneath the limestone. Yeah. 
Yep, that sounds like what you would do in that circumstance. I mean, what would be the other options? Well, they're the regulations are more stricter than they were in the 60s. I'll bet. When, um, when this all happened. But, yeah, so there's an example right there why you have toxic waste and no recourse. Yeah, uh, so so we'll, practi- the practical resources. Because I'm going to the point that you said, why would you need a regulation because you would have uh, the tort. recourse of a tort? Yeah. And I would just suggest that that isn't relevant most of the time. I think that it's correct that in the 60s, people probably didn't pay as much attention to things like um, you know, toxic waste and stuff like that, whereas now we would be pay- paying close attention and workers would report it to news agencies who would then you know, spread it far and wide and then you know, whatever, the, um, you know, whatever the thing is that occurred uh, would be enforced. I don't know, but, I don't, but my presumption is, is that 200, 300 years of a state, they probably have all the laws that they particularly need. So if they need a new law, that we should be able to get two-thirds of politicians to agree on it, if, presuming, they're not just rigidly... I think there's technological changes that happen in two or three hundred years. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, probably the internet isn't poisoning anything. Uh, um, say, say that again, real slowly, so that people can hear that. <laughs> the internet isn't poisoning things. Except people's minds, I suppose. Well, that's a, that's a thing right there. Well, we don't need regulation for that. People have to decide what they're going to read and consume No, themselves. no, no. You, you have... Well, New Hampshire people, isn't going to regulate For people the to internet. make a decision, they need to have information to make an informed decision. Sure. And if, the, if you don't understand how the different financial interests and marketing interests are, are tracking your children and catering to them and trying to push them into a uh, certain uh, behaviors, then how are you going to make a, a decision on that? The only two organizations that I can think of that have any effect on real changes in, on the Internet are the U.S. government and the EU government. And anything else is too small or too fringe, um, too authoritarian, to affect those things. So um, New Hampshire's legislature for a state of 1.3, 1.4 million people isn't going to be able to change the Internet. Um, by you know, they, could put, they could say whatever they want. And remember, a new state government is only 35 miles away from any point in New Hampshire. So, you know... There's there's no way to say that the internet from Vermont is somehow different than the internet from New Hampshire. What about Dash? <laughs> what about you think people Completely that own Dash shouldn't shouldn't make rules about Dash, the um, current cryptocurrency I'm referring to? They have not their, the laundry detergent. They have their own. Um, governing body that makes their own rules. Well, maybe, I don't know. I, uh, you've convinced me. I don't think people should be making decisions for other people. <laughs> well, da- the Dash DAO makes rules for Dash. All right. Well, let's find a little bit more, more out about Dash. 
This hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Rising fees have made Bitcoin useless for purchases, but Dash continues to have fees less than one cent per transaction and has implemented really cool features to ensure it is undefeated as the most useful cryptocurrency in the marketplace. From a technical standpoint, Dash transactions are irreversible and its network is protected from 51% attacks by their chain locks technology. There's no need to wait for a confirmation before considering a Dash transaction complete, so it's great for merchants. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Big thanks to Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash Dash.org. Well, I guess I cleared that up. <laughs> so Mark wants the gridlock in New Hampshire. Well, the gridlock in New Hampshire is already had. Um, I'm just asking questions about this idea. You want to take credit for it now. Okay. I'd, it doesn't need to have my name on it. As a matter of fact, I've gotten a team of people who are, I'm happy that they take all the credit in, in the world. How big is this team? Eh, there's like three or four people that are pushing pushing this. Hmm. You know, it'll either happen or it won't, and it's either a good idea or it's not. I don't know. Are these are these paid people? No. Oh, it's not going to happen. <laughs> New Hampshire special. Nobody's yeah. paid in New Hampshire. None of the politicians are paid there. The senators, twenty-five senators, receive one hundred dollars per year. Uh, they must be getting in something gratification. Of One some would kind. think they're getting some kind of gratification, no doubt. Uh, but I could—I'd be willing to bet the legislators aren't. Many—I've seen many legislators quit for a term so that they could go and make a little more money, so they could come back and be a legislator again. What's the average age of the legislature? They skew older. Well, everybody. Um, yes, of course, they skew older than the population, but they are—they skew younger than. Um, you know, say the U.S. House of Representatives. Well, because that's pretty easy, right? Yes. <laughs> well, there's no paycheck, so it well, causes you know. Yeah, working. once you're in the House, you don't want to let go. You got all the perks, and it's a great club to be a member in. And power's addictive. Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. said so, and I believe him. Yes. Well, it's not time for Hasta La Vista yet, baby. But we we are getting close to that moment where we have to take. Uh, some messages to find out and become better informed. What else you got there, Mark? Anything? Well, um, I, like I said, I've got several stories that uh, we could go through. The study that finds that constitutional carry laws reduce murder rates. Um, East Cleveland police officers have pulled people over and robbed them um, and uh, were sentenced to prison. And 7,000 years to achieve Greta Thornburg's renewable energy fantasy. And 3,000 reservists uh, are made ready to deploy to Europe, one would presume, for a Ukrainian war. On the other side, let's do either B or D. Okay. Because I can relate to both of those. All right. The uh, B was the... Cops. That robbed people. Yep. That strikes very close to home here in this part of the country. Yeah, this is a little... A uh, bit by Tom Woods here, a uh, blog post by Tom Woods, uh, talking about uh, you wouldn't even know that this happened, that uh, Joe Biden ordered 3,000 reservists to be ready for a oh, European that's D. De- deployment. What's that? That's D. 
That's D. Yeah. yeah. B and D. B is East Cleveland police officers pulled over people and robbed them, um, sentenced to prison. Their arrests are connected to a wider corruption investigation of the East Cleveland Department. But, you know, I would ask... Cleveland, Ohio? Yeah. When somebody is in power, like, who's watching the watchers is the uh, the question. Alan Moore. <laughs> That's the author of The Watchmen? Uh, yeah. yeah. That was just an obscure reference that I was throwing out there for the... The people. It's like it's the like an Watchmen's Easter egg. Probably one of the most widely known comics um, available. I mean, not comic characters certainly, but they took the the Charlton Carlton uh, characters. DC took the Carlton characters and kind of uh, modernized them in the eighties and made this really great book. And then they they actually bought the Charlton characters. Okay, did but, they? But these were. These What's the word we're searching for here? Where you, uh, they they are an uh, homage to the Charlton characters. Yeah, they weren't the actual Charlton characters. They were all just very similar. Um, I don't know who Rorschach was supposed to be in the. Uh, Probably the question. The question. Okay, and that was a create created by the Ditka, right? Yes. Well, all important stuff like that we'll get to on the other side of these messages. You're listening to Reigns and Edge on Free Talk Live. Network. I'm Henry Raines. And I'm Mark Edge. And Mark, feeling a little punkish. Punkish? Why yeah. is that? I, I feel like I'm not my voice that I usually am here. I'm feeling a little uh, uninspired by this creeping crud that has followed me the last 48 hours. I, 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 I had a, some experience with this illness. I was sick uh, last week. Um, I went to Ian's house. And I, he, had, he was sick before I, so my presumption is I got it from him. And then some people got sick after I did. People that I never touched, never touched, and didn't have runny noses. And it kind of sounds like COVID, doesn't it? Well, actually, there's a strain of COVID that it has picked up recently. Yeah. There's a substack that I subscribe to. Uh, it's called... Um, it's like the the if you want to search it on Google, probably try your local epidemiologist. Uh, her name is Caitlin uh, or something like that. But I actually have shared some of her posts with a doctor friend of mine, and he found the information very useful. In fact, this was about three or four weeks ago, possibly five or six, and uh, she was talking about. See, we weren't doing much testing for strains of COVID. Right now, and until it's where it's unless you're having a problem in your community, there isn't much testing going on. But what they still do is test um, sewer water, and they can find that the traces of these different strains are present there. Hopefully, they're not on the incoming side of the water, but on the excrement the, the ex- side of the water. The ex- exit side, yeah. They're, they're there, and 
he he found it very interesting because she just had you know that's not something you know he's a hospitalist and he's got his hands full trying to take care of people in the hospital it's not something that he can go research like that and so uh, your local epidemiologist google that you might find I subscribe it's like five dollars a month oh well why don't you just give people your login that way they can go ahead and use yours (laughs) why why don't they just send me five dollars and I'll forward it to them speaking of which well, before you go on, I think that the um, I, I think I think COVID's here to stay, right? Um, right? Whatever it is, it was a coronavirus, and it was an airborne coronavirus, and we had those before. It's not like the government weaponized it, and uh, you know it was the first time we'd ever seen it. It was. It's just that whatever they had in that lab in Wuhan, presuming that we uh, go with that particular um, premise, or whatever that bat had, was super bad, and. Um, whereas what we have now is, is probably just part of the, the, the landscape every season. You just opened up a can of worms. Okay, go ahead. Uh, so first of all, to just to finish the point. So anyway, there is this new strain. And um, you know, they're, they're going to become, some will be more virulent than others. And in general, evolution, ha- the trend in evolution is for a pathogen to become less deadly because it needs to keep you alive to spread to other people. Sure. So, and that's why the flu stays around in different strains each year. But every once in a while, the flu gets really terrible. Now, now this particular COVID strain, the current one that's popping up, it's not as um, severe as far as the outcomes as the early strains, but it is a little bit more impactful than some of the recent ones that we've been dealing with. That's why it's, it's getting noticed. And so anyway, this, this doctor friend of mine, uh, hey, Scott, um, he said, you know, what he, he saw the article six weeks ago when I sent it to him, and then a few weeks later he goes, uh, I'm starting to see this now. But that was taking me totally down a rabbit hole because you were talking about what actually is evolutionary stuff. And since um, I go to a church that is very, very. I go to a church <laughs> that is very free thinking or, or open to other kinds of thoughts. Right. And you're, you're not a blasphemer if you come up with some theory. Well, yes, but they actually, uh, in their success a few years ago, uh, there was a, a movement with some churches to portray them as heretics and you know false. False teachers of religion. I better not say the name of the church now. But anyway, they, they do have a th- uh, situation where uh, you can. In fact, I, remind me to send you the podcast where they talk about justice. Okay. It's, it's just two pastors talking about justice, not really giving a sermon or anything. They're just sitting around like you and I are. And it's not long. Definitely not as long as us sitting around and talking about it. But there's in between, after the service, there's a. Okay, so the, the founding pastor has a doctorate from a Nazarene college. So traditional, very conservative. But then he got a second doctorate from the Florida State University, which sort of changed his whole outlook on how he had been, uh, his career Richly in the Nazarene. And, and he was so successful at that, he actually went around teaching uh, other Nazarene pastors how to like seal the deal, you know, do the sinner's prayer, save people, and and then 
as he went to Florida State and he started, you know, he, he already knew ancient Greek, ancient Hebrew, uh, like middle, not Middle Ages, but Renaissance level German. So he had begun reading these things the in Bible. the original uh, text. But anyway, to, to get to the point, because people are probably ready to, no, no, religion. <laughs> so, and then the, the new uh, hire pastor from a couple years ago, you know, he's got his doctorates from someplace out uh, in, in Texas, but he studied at Oxford. So it's, it's pretty high level stuff. And then the third pastor, um, he just has his masters, but he's probably the most intellectually curious of them, which is, is I'm going out on a limb saying that because they're very intellectually curious. If, if you go to the service and you want to go into an open discussion afterwards, then he holds that every Sunday. And what I wanted to ask one of these pastors, and, and some people, with, when we're talking about going back to the evolution of coronavirus, the people will say, oh, what a magical creation we have where, if, if they even accept evolution, but, you know, in a more modern uh, frame of mind, what a magical uh, way we've, the, the creation is, how it has all these things. My question for you, Mark, is my surrogate pastor here, surrogate Quaker pastor, is why does existence need a craftsman or craftswoman? Why does existence have to be created? I don't know, but humans, um, I'm not claiming that it, it has to have been created. Um, I would say, however, that humans are demonstrably evolved to believe that it was. Why can't existence just exist? It can. Well, and I will further that by saying that in quantum physics, it's a common um, thread now that things blink in and out of existence all the time. Mm -hmm. okay. Things don't exist, and then they exist, and then they don't exist, and then they exist. So you're telling me some, some, when somewhere is like putting it back together and, ooh, take it apart, put it back together, take it apart. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I, I think that uh, if, if I, what I had to well, go, you're not helping me. what I would go with is is that there is a. Um, I like the deist standpoint that there's this watchmaker who uh, sort of created a uh, functioning system, and then you know maybe he likes to watch it do its thing, like an ant farm. Sometimes he doesn't, or whatever. And then I really like this poem on the internet. I believe it's called "The Egg," and this suggests that we are all the same being interacting with ourselves throughout our lives. And the Bible kind of touches on this, right? Like, uh, you know, whatever you, you know, whatever you do, the least of uh, these you do to me, and, and that kind of thing. Isn't um, Hinduism have these epics where um, Vishnu is self-aware and then isn't self-aware? <laughs> I and, don't know. Oh, okay. I read the Bhagavad or something like that, some, some book. Well, you know, I, I'm ago. not doing this to um, undermine people's theology, just the part about why, why there's a, a beginning, middle, and end. Why, why can't it just be? Presumably, God doesn't see a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, presumably, God created time and sits outside of it and then just sort of, you know, it's like a, it's like a book. You know, you can see the beginning or the middle and the end of the book all at once. 
And um, to him, it's just a, you know, there it is. It's, maybe it sits on a shelf. Who knows? Here's, here's eight, uh, you know, 18 billion years worth of, uh, of information. All right. Well, I'm glad I could take us down that uh, dead end of the <laughs> the river tributaries. But well, this what's is on another, your mind? This is another question. It is a question about justice. So understand that I come from a premise that prison isn't a great solution for much. It's I, pretty good for retribution. I it's it's certainly good for that. I think that the best use of prison is to separate people who do bad things from society. And you know, some of us, you know, like just some dogs are a rabid, some people are just a problem. I'm not against prison prison as a concept. I just think that it's probably way overused in the United States. However, when I read a story like this, it gives me pause. From NBCNews.com by, oh boy, Minnie Vone Burke, two former East Cleveland, Ohio police officers were sentenced this week for stealing thousands of dollars from people they pulled over during traffic stops. A judge ordered Willie Sims, 32, to two years in prison Thursday. His partner, Alfonso Cole, 35, was sentenced Monday to two and a half years in prison and fined $40,000, records show. Presumably they stole $40,000. In total, Sims and Cole stole stole $14,781 from six victims. And, well, I guess it's more than that. So from July 20 to July 2021, prosecutors said uh, Cole also swiped two firearms from victims. Cuyahoga County uh, Prosecutor's Office said in a news release, Cuyahoga County, that's where Cleveland is, uh, a common pleas judge told Sims that his actions have disgraced hardworking officers. The one person that the public should be able to have confidence in would be your emergency services your police officers, your firefighters, your EMTs, Russo said. You've shaken the confidence in the public and the criminal justice system and trust that they put in police officers. Two men were, yeah. Anyway, so I think we've got the story here, right? A couple of cops using their position to give people, you know, somebody probably said, I don't know how it all started, right? But Now, are these a team? Like, did they always operate together or are they? Operate? Yes, as I understand that. Um, So, you know, that they had operated together and then sort of went off on their own knowing how to do this better. But if you can imagine somebody says, hey, look, I don't want to deal with this ticket. I can't get these points on my license. How about I give you 200 bucks here and we just forget about this? I wonder if they had body cams. I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, for a traffic stop, it would probably be unusual for people. But somebody probably complained. So then... I guess my big question is, two years in prison for armed... I mean, a cop has a gun on his hip. Armed robbery and betraying the public trust? Now, I'm not trying to get these guys more. I'm just saying, huh, this is a real surprise. I mean, to be caught red-handed like this and then the judicial system decides two and a half years. Remember... Um, these two kids that two or three kids that ran over that uh, police officer in Vegas this week, they're calling for the uh, the death penalty. They're mm-hmm. calling for life in prison, no parole, all these sorts of things. We've all seen. Oh, my my business partner Ian Freeman, they're calling for twenty years 
against him, he's not proposed to have harmed anyone or used violence against anyone or ever even making a transaction that somebody didn't agree with. And you've got police officers here that, you know, um, at this point they have at least six people uh, whom they robbed. And likely it was many more than that. I mean, let's be serious. And two years in prison, two and a half years in prison, seems like well, maybe they rescued a person from a burning building or something like. Maybe there was some something mitigating. On I that. would hope that there's something mitigating, but I tend to think it's just because police officers. And if it is, then these are the worst of the worst. The police officers should be demanding the heads of these guys. If you want your job to be respected, they should be, and I don't mean literally the heads, the figurative heads of these men. Um, that, well, know, there probably are some that do. But there are also probably many that understand the temptation. and It's, uh, I'm sure, very tempting. Well, not just tempting, but the, the psychology that takes over on you. Yeah. Because... I don't want to take you too far away from your story, but I, story. I, it's a puzzle to me how you could be a law enforcement officer over a, any kind of lengthy period of time and not just not have it depress you and yeah. you know be a, a, a real burden on your heart to to do it. Everything I've heard as a firefighter, um, I was a firefighter for years. Everything I've heard is the cops are d- different; these different beasts. They're different psychology and that sort of thing, and. I can see that being the case. I mean, there's all different personalities out there. So if you can get the the good ones, and I know there are. I mean, I've met them. I've, I've been like, this is this is a good guy. If they're if we're going to have cops, this is the guy I want to be a cop. Um, Once you become a cop, and I mean, you're not in plain clothes, and nobody knows you're a cop. But once you're a cop, when you're out there, uh, everybody treats you differently. Honest people treat you differently. Sure. When when. You're at a Seven Eleven, and you see a cop there. Uh, you know you you act differently. It's different, and, yeah. And even if you get pulled over, and you know you're constantly going through this calculation. Maybe you didn't do any wrong. Maybe you only went five miles an hour over the speed limit. You're you're worried about what you're going to say. And well, we, we all know that we've you always all done shade the lots truth. Of things. <laughs> so every experience that they have, not every, I'm uh, hyperbole, but every experience they have shows them the worst side of people. Well, I don't know if the worst side of people is trying to act better when the cop is around. They, they get a, uh, a twisted view of the world. Um, it's not... That's just the le- less worst side. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> the, every, you can tell when people are trying to um, you know, not be good, just not be caught. <laughs> yeah, I had a... a teacher when I went back to school a couple years ago to take some computer classes and he had worked in the the Sarasota County Jail and now he had a little bit different attitude. He goes everybody I meet, there's just it's just a matter of circumstance whether or not you've ever been in jail. Uh, He goes everybody has something that would have put them in jail. Everybody has something that would have put them in jail. And everybody knows they have something that would have put them in jail. And that's why they'll change their behavior around a law enforcement officer. I, I wonder what it would be like if we actually had, um, you know, so we have a, a situation where cops, if they do enough digging, can find something on you and put you in prison. 
my business partner, Ian Freeman's a good example. Here's a guy that was running um, what he thought to be an upstanding business, and you know the police did enough digging. They found some unhappy customers, and you know they were able to turn it into a case and get him uh, convicted. And whatever the case may be in that cir- circumstance, what would it be like if really, really, only 10% of our society could be thrown in prison? I don't know. I mean, like, if people actually felt justified in how they had acted throughout their lives, like, maybe we have too many laws, is what I'm saying. Is maybe the government can just toss anybody that they want in prison, and thus we are all, it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of circumstance. It's a matter of anything that they the, the want. Um, they, if they want to come after you, they can what would it be like if they couldn't, if you were actually justified? And I don't know. I don't even know if I understand what you were telling me there. Well, okay. So right now... If, if they couldn't put more than 10% in... I, my question is, is what would it be like if I felt justified in, an, in myself uh, that I haven't done anything illegal in the last year? Because there's a book written called Three Felonies a Day. It suggests that everybody is breaking the law every day. Now, um, and most of these felonies are tax-based. The What would it be like if the average American wasn't breaking the law, let's say committing a felony per week or whatever the situation is? What, if it, what would it be like if we didn't feel that way, if we didn't feel like we were the, uh, you know, we were just lucky not to be thrown in prison? I wonder whether society would be better or worse. And I don't know the answer to that. And I apologize to the audience because I'm still not conceiving of what you're trying to tell me. So what you're claiming is that you could be thrown in prison at any time. Well, no. It has to be at that present time that you get caught doing something. I can't. The investigation goes through. they, they, They decide to apply enough resources to you, Henry Raines, to investigate you in some way, but that you, like anyone else who's listening to me right now, you could be tossed in the pokey for something. No, what I'm saying is there were times in my life where that could have happened. I I live a different lifestyle now. I would claim that everybody listening to me has broken, has committed a felony. Yeah, but you were phrasing it in the present. The last year is the present. That everybody within the last year listening to me has committed a felony. Now, maybe I, I, I don't. I don't accept that. Well, there's there's enough laws that you haven't read in four that you can't read because it'll take four lifetimes to read them all that apply. So to I'm you. just supposed to take your word for it? Yes, take my word for it. Um, well, the, I don't. <laughs> the reason that you feel the way you feel when you see a cop is because you believe that you could be tossed in the pokey for something, and. Mm that I wonder what it would be like if we didn't feel that way. If we didn't feel like a police officer, if he was, you know, angry at us enough. And and admittedly, the vast majority of police officers are not angry enough with me at any given time to come after me. And I'm grateful for that. But what would it be like if we didn't have to feel that way? And I'm not trying to turn us against the police. The police are in the same boat. Any one of them could be thrown in the pokey, as evidenced by these guys here. Any one of them could be thrown in the pokey um, with enough investigation. Am I clear oh, now? Yes, Mark. I'm just 
I'm not worried of being thrown in the pokey just that they could hassle me or right because there's no situation where you deal with law enforcement or the government and you win. It's always robbing of your time, your money, and your life. I don't think it's too many laws, but we'll have to figure that out in the next segment after these messages. You're listening to Reigns of Edge on the Free Talk Live Network. It's Reigns and Edge on Free Talk Live Network. I'm Henry Reigns. And I'm Mark Edge. Mark, you know what we haven't talked about? What's that? Well, we've talked about the, the real cage fight. We've talked <laughs> about the likelihood of you damaging Elon Musk physically very much in a fight. Uh, slightly less odds of that with Mark Zuckerberg, but I still have confidence in you. I think you'll be battle-tested by the time you get to Zuckerberg. Okay. Uh, the, uh, but we're going to remind people, because people might just be dropping in now in this hour of the program, that we want to hear from you. Uh, no, I don't want to hear from you. I've been hearing from you. But, well, I'll, I'll hear from you later. You but certainly will. We, but, but you, I was saying, I was looking at Mark when I said you, but I wasn't youing him. I'm youing you all that we want to hear from you, and we have a voicemail line that you can call at 941-799-6033, 941-799-6033, and it's all been uh, ideas that have been submitted from people like Jeremy and Matthew and uh, uh, Tony and Tony, and yeah. variety of, I, I, I need a, some more. I need a mnemonic to remember those three. And, <laughs> Well, there's going to be more it. now. That if you start calling names, there's going to be more people. Yeah. I want my credit, too. Yes, so you you could be heard by the vast audience of the nationally syndicated uh, Free Talk Live network, and you, you'll at least have something you can tell your grandchildren about then. But we're going to not stop there. I, 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 I haven't checked yet today to see if my blue check mark is there yet. Let me do that right now on next Twitter. Uh, I, I did get through this verification that, at least such as it is, that they require. <laughs> the paying the uh, the fee? Uh, they, what is this now? Uh, never, never mind. I can't put this in a hold while. Anyway, it had been a couple of days. They hadn't given me my blue check mark. They took my money. And they allowed me access to some of the tools. But I want them to prioritize me. And for my eight dollars a priority a month, or our eight dollars, or the communal eight dollars, the but I don't see the check yet. I see uh, under Henry at Henry Range Show, uh, Rains at Edge picture there. Since hmm. I'm following it, no no blue check. All right. Well, we can still do a Twitter Spaces. And oh, I'm terribly sorry. Yeah, I hope you haven't been around anybody sick. <laughs> Twitter spaces and a live Facebook stream. So we could do that now because we are physically, geographically 
close. Yeah, so, let's do it. I when? think we should do okay. it. When, when do you want to do it? I, I don't know. Do you want to do some over the weekend? Uh, I, I want to play pickleball uh, tomorrow morning. Well, I will be in Naples playing pickleball, but Susan will probably be around. Okay. And so will some of the other people that you play with over there. Yeah. And the, uh, so I was thinking maybe Monday. We'll, Sounds good. After we circulate these shows, these episodes, they're not episodes, these segments of this episode of the show, that there will be people intrigued and enticed to, to see us. And plus, I, I need to think about which T-shirt I'm going to wear. And <laughs> It's got to be a T-shirt, right? Yes, and I, I got it. I'm, I'm right now I'm thinking about how high the tripod. See, I think you need to come on this side of the desk. Yeah, it would seem like it. And, or, although, if we're over there, we have the beautiful WWPR Tampa Bay's 1490 banner behind us. Yep. Because we, we don't need these mics. That's true. Yeah, we'll just... We could stand anywhere and do it. And uh, right. right here in Studio B at WWPR. Is this Studio B? Well, it's not Studio A. All right. Well, anyway, that's all. You know, we are just... The momentum is building. The movement's building. And... <laughs> We'll, we'll roll with that. Anyway, what, sometimes in between these uh, segments, and you and I talk about different things, we get, get off on little tangents that we can't really follow up on the air. And one of the things that popped up on the headline aggregator that I'm staring at when I'm not talking uh, or listening to you is that one in five... Americans, I think that's. Uh, I think they mean United States citizens, or at least people residing in the U.S. I don't think they mean uh, like South Americans or Central Americans, <laughs> probably don't. or or even North Americans. But one in five say they would like they would support the concept of secession. Now, that's a little fuzzy. Uh, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, on September 11th, Patriot Day, if you didn't realize that. Uh, they have another one? Good Lord, between Flag Day, uh, you know, Veterans Day, Fourth of Independence Day, um, you know, what are all these things? They're just well, I, so I guess on 9-11 is when we remember all the patriots that died in the terrorist attack. Specifically, I, I mean, I don't know that you get to call yourself a patriot if you just happen to be. Well, in a they building. did. They don't get to call themselves patriots, <laughs> but, but somebody else gets to call them that. And uh, that on that day, at that most appropriate time, she decided to say the state should consider secession. Didn't attract much attention because there's a lot of other stuff that goes on in 9 11. Which state specifically should consider? Well, she just said these states. Of these states. <laughs> uh, it's not a. It's not a direct quote here. Um, she, of course, she represents. Uh, I believe the Savannah area district in the state of Georgia. Georgia. Yeah. Um, and one of the, her reasonings was President Biden's policy. She claimed included a refusal. Quote. Now here's the quote: to stop the invasion of cartel-led human and drug trafficking in our country. That, which meant that states should consider seceding from the union. I have a little bit of trouble feeling... Following the logic? Yes, how that... that I got you. Changes. I got you on this one. So well, I guess if they're not part of the country, then... They can have their own immigration policy. Yeah. If they have their own immigration policy, they can stop uh, immigration in whatever the way they want. Um, 
whatever the reason a person might want to see uh, their state secede, I don't think it matters as far as the concept of secession. So let's say that um, California wants to secede. It's going to be a very different place than if Texas secedes. If they both secede at the same time, they're going to grow in different ways because the the you know the the way that the Constitution of the United States is now applied requires a certain level of homogenization between these locales. And I think that those are some of the two only states that could secede. So I don't think Georgia... Which two? California and Texas. I don't think Georgia... What about Florida? Well, Florida is geographically um, sort of separate from the other states. So, yeah. It is um, probably on the edge of population for what it makes sense. But Florida ships a lot of things. I mean, it requires... uh, It gets... It's easy for people from the United States to come visit Florida. Do we really want to make it harder for them? Which is what's going to happen if Florida secedes. Well, we'd have like a a free trade policy with everybody else. Then why secede? Well, there were three hypotheses or uh, proposals on why it would be a good idea. And they've got varying sports. Now, the first one... Just to say, if you're going to limit immigration into Florida, it's going to definitely affect tourism because it's just harder there. Right now, when you drive down I-75 or I-95, you get a big sign that says, welcome. If you don't have a big truck, then they're not even going to look in there. Um, you know, There's not even a fruit check like there is in California. It's just right through at 85 miles an hour. Yes. But these were the concepts that they asked people about. So, would you favor the opposite party states seceding? Favor opposite party states seceding. So, I guess that means opposite from your state, but really, even even states that are uh, deep red or deep blue, you know, it's still like a sixty forty or sixty five thirty five. Uh, another concept: it would make sense to split the country up. That was not quite twenty five percent of the people agreed with that. Uh, my state would be better off leaving the U.S. That was slightly over 25%. And uh, the number of people that thought all three were a good concept was actually the, the lowest percentage of it. So I guess they would ask the people, do you agree with this concept? Well, I think what they're really asking people is, is do you want to be able to ignore whatever Washington mandate there is that you don't. Oh, that's not what it says at all. I know that's not what it says at all. It's like, whatever you make it. I, I get it. You know, it's like, but I am generally. I think that uh, the idea. I'm for the idea of secession. If you want to uh, secede, then by all means, go about it. Understand that it's going to take your entire life to get it done. But but go ahead. Um, I think people should be free to secede. I think that states should be free to secede. Um, you know, so I'm for secession in that way. However, saying that, the you're for the concept. Yeah, the international trends are trends towards uh, federalization. So organizations, um, whatever they NAFTA, CAFTA, um, WTO. Well, yeah, the WTO, the NATO, whatever it is, it's nations coming together to use international pressure on other nations to act the way they want them to act. 
And so maybe if the states seceded from each other, the individual states could get together and maybe send representatives from those states <laughs> somewhere other than Washington. <laughs> it's, this brings me to a third idea. Um, I think that the... That that's a fine idea, you know. I think that oh, it's a great idea. The United States federal government has too much power over sovereign states. That uh, that the late 1800s, early 1900s saw a time of condensing of power that are probably extra, to my mind, extra constitutional. However, um, this is what we got, and to wipe the slate clean and start all over again is going to wreck efficiency in a lot of ways. So what you best what is best needed is a tweak to a system to make it work better. Now, I don't know what I'm not claiming to know what that tweak is. I'm not going to reveal that to you today. But I have thought you about You got a secret plan. No, I thought about an idea and I'll just mention it here is is what if the Republican Party and the Democratic Party said, okay, we're setting up a government, and you get to choose every four years whether your state or county or whatever is part of it. And then that homogenized government is, it's got the consequences that it's got, right? The Republicans are voting on Republican stuff, and the Democrats are voting on Democrat stuff. And then you just have these organizations that have that don't have the other side pulling them over and then we'll just see who's better at this. Are the Democrats better, actually better at ruling? Um, you know, they've got California, they've got uh, New York, they've got New Jersey. You know, these places have been largely Democrat for a very long time. You would think that we would know what Democrats are going to provide us. And the same with Republicans. You've got Utah, you've got uh, Alabama, you've got these things. They are reaping what they've sown this election cycle. Let me just take one moment to say if only there was a book. A friend of mine wrote a book, and, uh, well, I'm going to read an ad for it. Are you ready to explore a grand-breaking alternative to traditional state structures? Discover Entrepreneurial Communities, an alternative to the state by Calvin Duke, available now on Amazon in three formats. Don't miss the chance to explore this well-researched masterpiece, available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. As a matter of fact, a friend of mine read the audiobook, too. It's not the best audio, but... Hey, you know, it, it's easier than reading, and that's available on Amazon. Entrepreneurial Communities, an alternative to the state, is a must-read for those seeking a new perspective on governance, efficiency, and individual freedom. You can grab your copy today and be part of the conversation that challenges the status quo and changes libertarianism forever. Entrepreneurial Communities, an alternative to the state, available on Amazon in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. Get yours today and explore a future beyond convention. Entrepreneurial Communities, an alternative to the state by Calvin Duke. Well, see, a great book it was, is, was, is. Indeed, I love entrepreneurial com- communities. And, uh, I think but it's an I, I think idea. The, the, the big thing about these people that support the concept of secession. Okay. So you're saying you don't support the concept. You're, no, you're not willing at to all. kill your neighbors if they want to leave. I would what? Be willing to kill your neighbors if they want to leave badly enough. Oh, they want to leave. They can move somewhere else. Okay. The, well, oh, now it's moving. All right. But all the land I'm is owned by about, the United States government. I, no, no. I'm talking about when you start splitting up the pie of power and wealth. 
you're going to get a lot of violence. And these people <laughs> that think, that, that, oh, we'll just, we'll just split off and we won't have to deal with all those woke policies or the, uh, you know, the, the calamitous, horrible state the United States is in. We, will, uh, we won't have to deal with that. So, well, it, how does that work for Ukraine? How did that work for Russia and Georgia, the other Georgia? <laughs> well, Russia's uh, lines that were denominated were probably in the wrong area. The eastern part of Ukraine had saw a lot of Russian settling during USSR, and they were trying to bring those people into line for the last couple of decades, and it apparently didn't work. And now we have this uh, sort of global conflict that's uh, brewing, as a result. So, I mean, for me, I've always liked smaller political designations and for them to be able to make whatever decisions and then reap whatever benefit. Sure, you live in New Hampshire. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. I'm a, currently a resident of New Hampshire, but I'm from Florida. And Florida was much smaller back then. But I would say that Manatee County, which is uh, where we happen to be at this moment, Manatee County ought to be able to make its decisions as to whether or not it wants to, you know, couple up with some other counties and and either make its own state or just uh, team up with, uh, you know. Well, we're going the opposite direction here. Yeah. And we, we actually had our here we go hyperlocal warning. Um, Tallahassee is the capital of the state of Florida. We send uh, House uh, Rep- House of Representatives and State Senate. We we elect people from this area. To represent us, sure. we have municipalities. Too far to go to really even. Uh, we have a county government. We have municipality governments. Uh, we are on the coast. There are three small cities on the coastal barrier islands of this county. Uh, they've been self-governing for I don't know, probably since the 1920s at least. Holmes Beach, Bradenton Beach, Anna Maria. Yes, and so the people that were elected to go to Tallahassee. Our representatives have threatened the municipalities on the barrier islands because the county government, you need a scorecard for this, the county government wants to spend, I think, $30 million to build a parking garage on the island. And the, the island uh, governments said, that's not worth the money. It's not going to change the parking. Uh, we need to revamp parking here. In fact, they have... Uh, cut back some parking that was in residential neighborhoods where people were getting their lawn peed on and uh, garbage thrown in. And so the the elected representatives of these people they're representing said, if you don't give us the parking garage, we are going to take your municipal governments away from you in Tallahassee. And that's how it goes, right? um, And they're all Republicans. And, and, but this is, this is what power does. It, it always does this. Look, you're going to dance to our tune or we're going to pull your charter. And this is what I've warned in New Hampshire is, is that if, you know, if some town decides it's going to do something fancy, well, no, it's not. Is, you know, the, the state government is going to stop that because all municipalities, and I don't know whether that's true in home rule states, but – in two states we're talking about that are, are not home rule, in non-home rule states, you, the municipalities exist at the behest of the government. Well, going back to the original point I think I was trying to make is that these people that think 
that you just see and you go on your happy way is it doesn't happen without violence and well I'm not for the violence, but I would be willing to say that um, any secession project that and, and there's only a couple of states I'm willing to you know let go know that I think that are even could possibly make it as their own countries Texas California I think that there's an argument for Florida but I don't recommend it um, and I don't recommend California or, or Texas either I think that in fact the United States uh, federal government ought to I think the opposite relax its uh, its rule and bring in more territory I think the the smallest states should secede Connecticut, Delaware, <laughs> you're easy to impose your will on those. Okay. Who's, who's imposing whose will? The feudal lord. Okay. Well, it's certainly not going to necessarily be that. <sighs> so what's happening over in Ukraine? Because Zelensky was just here in the U.S. He was uh, saying, uh, you know, it's peace is at hand or victory is at hand. And Republicans in Congress, especially the ones that are wanting, trying to shut down the government, want to cut off aid to Ukraine for the military. Um, what, do, what do you think is going on? Well, um, from Tom Woods's blog, it's what's so cool about World War III. Like many of you, no doubt, yesterday I read that uh, Joe Biden, this is a, a couple of weeks old, uh, had ordered 3,000 reservists to be ready for your deployments. Uh, what did it mean? It's barely enough to have a USO show. <laughs> it depends on if it's the right ones or not. If it's uh, all drone operators or something, I don't know. Uh, U.S. Senator Mike Lee of Utah shared what seemed to be a plausible understanding of what's going on. Uh, this is Mike Lee. I've been trying to figure out what this means. Bottom line, up front, President Biden is arguably walking the U.S. up the line of war and daring Russia to shoot first. 10 U.S.C. 12304 gives the president the authority to augment the forces of any named operational mission to active duty for not more than 365 consecutive days. Operation Atlantic Resolve has existed since 2014 and is an official named U.S. military mission that deploys forces on a rotational basis, mainly to the Baltic states and Poland, Open source information on Operation Atlantic Resolve from DOD does not suggest any forces are present in Ukraine under this mission. Since conflict with Russia and Ukraine came to blow in 20, blows, excuse me, in 2014, rational deployments under Atlantic Resolve have been considered a backbone deterring Russia from crossing... Who's saying this now? Mike Lee, Senator Mike he, Lee. He's, that, he's saying all that stuff? Yes. It's just basically what he's saying is, is that... Um, that he believes that Biden is walking the U.S. up to the line He's of such war. a drama queen. <laughs> well, those Bi trips aren't for, they aren't for there to play the ukulele. And Biden and the power structure of this empire is just reestablishing the empirical footprint in Europe. Yeah. With 3,000 uh, potential. Well, no, they were, they've been putting people periodically, a few more people here, a few more These people there. These are reservists. What are they putting those over there? Well, it's, for? we're having a hard time getting people to enlist. I, I, probably because there's going to be a war over nothing. No, partly because uh, as much as people bitch about inflation and wages, is it's pretty easy to get a job right now, and wages are better than they have been. Much better than they have been when you'd have to risk having yourself blown up. 
Well, I think that uh, the wages are better than they have been, certainly, but uh, they're, they're, we're not doing as good as we have been recently as far as uh, you know, real spending and that sort of thing. So the – I mean, I don't know. I, I, if somebody asked me, hey, do you want to send your kid to the military, I'd be like, well, what would he be doing there? Yeah, well, maybe be a weatherman. Okay, that sounds safe. I'm fine with that because there's some benefits to having been in the military. I, you know, the, these politicians, Republican Air politicians. Air traffic controller would be a good place for him. Yeah, seems like it. Although, I, no offense to Jack, but I don't know if I want him controlling my plane. Well, he's 15. You don't want him doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> well, he'd probably do a better job than me. Uh, we have a lot of loose threads here that we'll have to pick up next week when... Rains and Edge are back on the air in the same location, and I am not quite so bassy and nasally and all the other things that I am right now. And we will keep you posted. Check. Now, I hate to, like, all our social media is sort of based on my social media because that's where the followers are right now, but you'll see it on one Medge on Twitter, on the Facebook, Mark Edge, and we can do uh, live streams on all those. Uh, coming up soon. Stay tuned for that. Uh, 941-799-6033. Let us know how we're doing. And Mark, see you then. Hey, thanks. If you want to move to the free state and you're looking for some real estate, well, I know a guy who's really great. It's the Realtor Mark Warden. Now you can learn more about the awesome things happening here in New Hampshire in our march toward liberty in our lifetime. Our friends at Porcupine Real Estate are hosting a series of webinars to educate you on the expanded freedoms enjoyed by New Hampshire citizens. Reserve your seat today at move.freetalklive.com. Topics include gun freedom, medical freedom, and political freedom victories. They also have a couple on best practices for moving to the free state and finding housing. These webinars are super helpful and free to attend once you've registered at move.freetalklive.com. Visit their YouTube channel, Porcupine Real Estate, for videos from past presentations and sign up for upcoming webinars for free at move.freetalklive.com. PorcupineRealEstate.com